You know, I've been training jujitsu for 17 years now, and while that's not as long as some people, it's a pretty long time. And I've definitely learned a few things on the mats, and I've learned a couple lessons on the mats. Within that time, I've also learned some life lessons. And this past weekend, getting to ref at the ADCC Open in Denver, really starting to realize how much those lessons have started to play into my everyday decisions and impacted my life. This week, we're going to talk all about life lessons on the mat, off the mat, how we can implement them into our lives and integrate them into every single moment. Enjoy the show. Oh, yeah. Here we are. We're going, Roy. Darling. Oh, no. Don't get me think started. Think about you. Think about love. Oh, we just did some freestyling. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was not it was appropriate. Tasty. Yeah, it was tasty. All right. <laughs> it's fucking rude. It's so bad. Roy saw a different side of me tonight. Oh, I knew you had that side. Come on, man. <laughs> Listen, people know, like, if you grew up with me from, like, two, 1998 to about 2010, and you've ever heard me freestyle, you uh, you know exactly it's what really you're It's really good, seriously. So it's, All bullshit aside, I mean, like, I always said, you really, really put together lyrics very, very easily. I put together the dirty ones even easier. Yeah, I guess, because you kind of, you They're know. just more fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're more fun. I feel more free. Do you think you could do that in public, though? What? Like that guy does? I think so. Really? I don't think, yeah. Yeah, after the first, like, initial uh, flop sweat where you're just like, holy shit, are they digging this? And then, <laughs> See, I think with something like that that I'm just doing for shits and giggles, like, right. I wouldn't even care if they dig it. Okay. What's the worst thing you're going to be like, your shit sucked? <laughs> yeah, that was the point. It was supposed to. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to win a Grammy over here. I'm not trying to get discovered like Gaga. Oh, man. It is funny because you get you do get the, that sort of flop sweat when you're up there. Sometimes you're like, are they really liking this? I'll tell you what. Sometimes I feel like that when I'm teaching a move. Right. Like yeah. You know, especially if it's something, not something new, but it, maybe it's something that I've like been working on. I'm trying to teach. It right. For the first yeah, time. yeah. Yeah. I've uh, seen you work through those. Yeah. Oh, and I haven't mastered the articulation right. behind it. And I'm uh -huh. like, God damn it. I'm like, what am I missing? That here? was like your Puerto Rican necktie move. You In the were beginning. Working through that. Yeah. I was working through it. Now I can teach it pretty easily. Right. Uh, but you know, it takes time. It takes nice. time to develop those skills. I get it. Now I would ask about how your mother's day went down, but you were someplace else. I was, I made it home home for mother's day. Oh, you day. did? Bring, okay. Yep, I right, so let's, let's, uh, let's put it in rewind then. So you, uh, you did something pretty cool. Denver. Denver. You're on tour now, basically. I'm on tour, baby. <laughs> you, I'm on. I'm on the. I'm officially on the ADCC tour. You're a booking agent. You're all. I mean, you're yeah. out there. Mo, Mo Jassim is my booking agent. Nice. It, it, this is how it goes. Gonna be in Dallas. Yeah, I'll be in Dallas. Okay. And then uh, Megan is his assistant. She deals with all of it. He goes, all right. Okay. Megan's gonna email you. I'm like, perfect. Nice. Then Megan, hey Miguel, find some flights. Let me know where you want to go. I'm like, okay. I send him the That's flights. That's pretty and, cool. That's, That's it. Cool. Easy does it. Okay. Do you have like certain requirements in your mind that you uh, like, you got to like fly out in the morning or? So it, it depends on the trip. So for this one, I really wanted to make it a point to catch an early flight back. All right. So for those that do not know, you are ADCC head ref. This is the head ref of, of North, North America. America. Okay. But there are various places around the country you're going to. I think it's Dallas next. Dallas is next. Okay. And then July is uh, Tijuana and Canada. Um, now, if they're like, hey, are you going to either one of them? Then maybe I'll go. But I wouldn't mind skipping July. 
Okay. Just to like just too know, many uh, tournaments. It's a lot, man. And like it really it's, is. It's a lot of time away from home. Yeah. Uh, the good thing is, but dude, you're a rock star now. Listen, Mo completely gets it. Like he okay. understands. Like I have a job. I have a family. And I'm at, I'm at, the, you know, especially the American ones. I got to be at those. Right. But you know, th- listen, if I'm not there, you know, you know, Jay Regabuto does a good, a great job with yeah. the whole seminar, right, right, right. you know, getting the new refs and judges down with it. And, you know, I just kind of, uh, I'm, I'm more or less just show them how it's done on the field. <laughs> it really looks great too. I mean, even the pictures that were taken, you just look yeah. like freaking rock star out there. I was I cool. was so excited to get back. No, oh, yeah, uh, and I couldn't wait. And this was the first time where I felt like uh, I felt like a veteran. Okay, you know, it, it almost felt like you know rookie years over, <laughs> year two expectations. You're, you're, you're walking around with swagger now. A little bit of swagger, but also yeah. understanding the expectations have changed. Yeah, but you're carrying those expectations. You're part of quote unquote management now. You have a certain level that you're expecting from people underneath you as well as your own performance. I mean, I'm I not guess. blowing smoke here. I mean, but when you get good at something, you become the man in a sense. Um, I, I got to go back and watch a couple of my matches. There were a couple <laughs> things I missed. Um, definitely a few things that I was out of position for. But overall, I was pretty happy with my performance okay. this past weekend. Um, so had, that's where deficiencies would be, like being out of position for something? Being out of position for something. Okay. Uh you know, missing resets or not right. properly. But I will say this. I had a Carlos Diaz at my table, and I believe he's the head judge for ADCC America, uh, North America, and he's fantastic. It was my first time actually having him as my judge. Okay. I've never had him. And I try to work with everyone. Like, I've worked with Jay. I've worked with Peter. Uh, I've worked with Fernando. Uh, so, you know, I, I like to vibe with the judges sure, and, of course. and work. So having Carlos, like, man, we really, we worked with each other very, very well. Uh, we tried having an ear set this time around oh, just wow. to see so if we could communicate. Yeah, 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 yeah. That lasted five matches. No doubt. Okay. I was like, I need this shit out of my ear. Really? It just became more of a distraction. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm paying attention to it, trying to listen to it. But then for me, I felt like Is now- Is he advising you in the ear? Is that what's going on? Little things. Like, you know, 10 seconds left, 30 seconds to a point. Okay. You know, does he have a hook in? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm waiting to hear from you instead of watching the match. Right. And communicating with you when I feel it necessary. That's got to be a pain in the butt in a sense. Because, like I always think of newscasters when they have a producer yelling in their ear, ask them this question, ask them this question kind of thing. I feel like that's different though um, because you're already talking and they're just telling you how to keep the conversation yeah. going. It's like I have to be paying attention. Right. So after like five matches, I told and, – and we kept losing reception um, because it's very <laughs> sensitive. So like if you if you move one way, it changes the channel. Now I don't hear you. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I'm done with this. But we – man, he was great. And a couple of the resets, he definitely helped me out. You know, I'd have like, you know, 75% of it right. He'd be like, no, no, Miguel, the left hand, he had an overhook. And I'd be like, over. Okay. And so now, before I said, you know, you know, go, I'd be like. You're know, hearing it at that point. Or, well, now or we're just talking okay, to each other. Talking, okay. I'm like, table, are we good? He's like, that's good. And I'm like, all right, I'm good on my end. You know, player that's on. That's great that it's being so coordinated, though. Yeah. you know, But then I always ask the competitors, too, like, you know, top, are you good with this position? I'm right. good. Bottom, are you good with this position? I'm not. I had his wrist. I'm like, you, and I'll be like, you know what? Where, show me what you think you had. Right. I'm like, no, that's not what you had. Stop it. This is really good inside dope, though. A lot of people don't realize. We Here's the difference, too, between like an IBJJF event or ADCC. Okay. IBJJF, you cannot talk to the refs. If you talk to the ref, it's a DQ. Oh, wow. ADCC, I, I'm a big believer. This is the athlete's tournament. Let's converse. Right. Does that mean I'm going to give you your way? No. Like, I've had guys who are like, I had the underhook. 
No, you didn't. You're the final say on on what goes down on on the mats, though. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I'm sorry. Is this? I'm like, no. Like, but sometimes say I'll have the wrist, and they'll grab the wrist, and I'm like, you did have the wrist. I'm like, but that's not how you had it, because when you're in the middle of it, you can feel something. Like, I'm sure you've had rolls or matches where you think it went one way, and then if you watched it, you'd be like, oh, that's not at all how I thought it went, Mm. because in the moment things change. So having the coordination between myself and the table. Then I go player on top. Are you good here? I'm good. Player bottom. Are you good? I'm good. I'm going to count you down from three. Ready? Three, two, one, go. And then they right back into the right. action. The resets are huge. I never knew that. That's really, really. Dude, like, those positions matter. Inside dope. For, cool. this, for this tournament, I made it a point for myself just to get the practice in. Right. To reset positions that may be like at Worlds. Or at trials, I would let them keep going. But it's oh. like, you know what? Let me let me work on my resets now. Mm. So if there was an opportunity that I could get a reset, whereas for worlds or trials, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to let this one go a little bit. Because mm. I'm like, you know what? Reset. Stop. Because now I can get practice on my reset. Also, you know, a lot more people competing, bigger mats. Like It, it, it gets tight very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so it was a good way for me to just work on. Now I wasn't just resetting from random positions, <laughs> but if it was a position that could be reset, I would. I think like basketball and football refs probably do the same thing. In other, in other words, how they always say they're letting them play, you know, loose tonight, or they're the referees are on top of things. You do the same thing in this. Well, you know, you'll see a game like you know a preseason game, right? And they're throwing flags galore. Of course, they are. They're they're fine tuning it, but when it's Sunday night football, yeah, yeah. prime time right, right, right. to make it let to the playoffs. It's like, let them play. Yeah. Don't don't make those little ticky-tacky calls mm-hmm. because that can really impact this game. Yeah. You know, so it, it does matter. It, I felt really, I felt good, you know, and I say this now and then I'll probably get a text from Mo telling me like, what the fuck are you doing out <laughs> no. there? But no, I felt really good. And uh, the one cool thing I didn't realize while it was happening, I realized it afterwards. Okay. Uh you know, we're getting towards the end of the night. And I'm noticing that the mats are starting to become a little empty. Uh-huh. And every time we get a match, you know, Carlos would get, you know, finals. And I'd say, okay. And even though we know the rules. Right. Right. Out of habit, I always repeat the rules back. So, I like that. and I think that's part of working on the train. So, on the train, you know, one of the safety things is if you give me a command, like if you're like, hey, Miguel, um, you know, Open, open from the fifth car. Right. I'll say, Roger, opening from the fifth car. Okay. And then that's it. And then you'll be like, Roger, fifth car. Meaning I got it. You right. got it. This you said total it, communication I, at this yeah, point. Back okay, and forth. Got it. You know, even like, you know, just that's a lot of the rules. Like you give it, then you reciprocate it. Right. Then they go, Roger, you said it correctly. Okay. And you're like, okay, we're all on right. the same page. So you'd be like, finals. We're like, Roger. I'd be like, all right, so finals, everything's good. Slams are good. Uh, no spiking on the head. And he goes, exactly. I'm like, negatives in effect right away. He's like, Roger. Love it. Next match. All right, Miguel. Finals. Roger. Negatives in effect right away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love it. And it's not because it's like, I don't remember. That way you don't get into any kind of inconsistent. Uh, no. Yeah. And, and there's no like, oh, I missed it. We just, we would say it. The athletes were there, so they hear it. Right. Carlos would do a great job of telling them the rules. Then when they came out, I'd always give them my spiel. And my spiel has gotten down to. Um, God, I love it when you say Yiddish words. 
in spiel. I'm like, listen. <laughs> you said finagle tonight, too. I did say finagle. <laughs> um, Kip, slow down. I'll really turn you on and say locks. Um, <laughs> He's mishugana. He's a cockta. She was such a yenta. Get um, cock and and yum. <laughs> that means cock and um. Sh- Jesus. Go shit in the ocean. <laughs> Fucking cocking them. That's what did you say? Gay cocking off and yum. Go shit in the ocean. Where I come from, gay cocking is something very different. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no. So we just we just would keep repeating, and that would tell the the athletes what I wanted. But I noticed finals, finals, fi- and then right. I'm, I'm like, Carlos, this is another final. He's like, final. Wow. I didn't realize till the end of the night. I'm like, oh, I refed all the finals (laughs) so it was great because you know i got to i got to referee mateus lute and i got to referee uh you know helena and jasmine hosha and uh rose namajunas and taza garami and all these people taza garami is not his last name oliver taza um he's from canada yeah he's he's down with new wave oh okay got it you know i got to ref all these great athletes right right and i like it because now it's you know, it's a smaller setting. You know, it's it's a Denver Open, but that intensity of a final matters because now it's like someone's getting gold, someone's getting silver. That's going to matter when it gets time to trials. Right. That's going to take the heat off when now, you know, if if Mo pulls this off, he wants T-Mobile Arena, you have 40,000 people, mm. your center mat, and it's you and the 99 kilo final. Right. And they're used to you refereeing. Because I'll tell you this, they always talk about in boxing where there were certain refs that competitors didn't like, you know, and I think that uh, same sort of thing with this. I'll tell you what I am, because a lot of the competitors like came up to me, shook my hand. Right, right, right. I do think the competitors are starting to understand what I want. Right, exactly. And I, I, I hope so, at least. I hope, I, I think they like the way I ref the matches, yeah. which is I'm going to let you go, but you've got to keep it within my confines. You've like, got I'm, gonna let you, I'm gonna let you do what you want. Right. But when I say stop, stop. Don't mm. try to gain an inch. Don't try to do anything mm. stupid. I'm gonna play this fair. Right. All I want from you is to play it fair as well. And I know you're fighting for every inch. I get it, but let's do this the right way. Now, do you have that conversation prior to the tournament where you give your So that's part of my competitors? That's part of my spiel. God. I say, here's what I want from you. I'm like, when I say stop, stop. Don't stop until I say stop. Right. But when I say stop, hold the position. Mm-hmm. I want to reset you exactly where you were. Excellent. And I'll tell them, wow. I'm like, don't be scared to, you know, tell me if I'm off somewhere. We're, we're going to figure it out, but we're yeah. going to get it as close to possible as we can. Uh, and then the last one I tell them is, I, I was like, look, I want to give you guys the opportunity to fight out of positions. Hmm. The only way I can do that, I need to trust that when you tap, it's a clear tap. I was like, I don't right. want, I don't want the one slap. I don't want the little pitter patter. Yeah. Make it a clear tap, a firm, aggressive tap. So I know you're out of it. Because once I know you're going to do that, I was like, I can let you fight through. And I'm going to let you fight through. But right, I got to right. trust you're going to keep yourself safe. Right. Because I'm sure there is a little bit of like the, that sort of like nervous tapping, but it can be misconstrued. Yeah. Or sometimes people like reach out to try to post. Exactly. And like, yeah. Like, and yeah. If, you, if you're like, stop. No, no, no. Yeah. So I eliminate that. So okay. now if you give a one slap. You're done. Your competitor is not going to stop because I told him you keep going until I stop it. Oh, and if okay. you gave it that one, it's like, okay, are you tapping or are you still going? Because, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Okay. You know, but you can typically see like when people give like the one slap, they'll do the one slap and then they'll stop. Mm. And then if nothing happens, then they'll keep going. It's like, oh, that was you tapping. Right. <laughs> but if they do like the one tap and they're squirping, it's like, okay, they're just kind of 
they're yeah it's, that's it I sucks mean. man and you got to make the judgment call sometimes I, I mean do you ever advise them to verbally tap in that sense or is it just yeah i'm drinking water i'm so sorry uh, most of them do yeah that's what i was saying because what happens is especially at that high level they're letting it go for so long and they're defending it as long as they can that by the time it's in it's tap tap yeah like there's the hand's no longer there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Especially if it's like an arm bar or something like that. It's the heel hooks, man. Okay. That's what they're that's what they're ripping on people. Oh, are they? Yeah. And, okay. I mean, everyone's doing such a better so much of a better job fighting out of them. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, you're learning it from the heel hook game now. Like a lot of the defenses is fight the hands, fight the knee line. Right, right, right. Your hands are tied up. Right. So now once it's in, you're not what are you gonna do? You're gonna let go of their hands. Yeah. Like they're cranking it with your hands, holding them. Because the old gonna... line used to be that there was the, that, like, if you're choking, if you're arm barring, there's always that little extra second you can hold on. But the the leg stuff happens so fast, yeah, that there is none of that. Yeah. So it was good, but I, I got some great matches. Then I got sick. <laughs> All right, I let's get so to, let's go into detail on that. I, I really don't think it was anything crazy. I think it was a culmination of things. I think it was, uh, I woke up super early, started my day with a monster energy drink. Oh, there you go. That's that's the way to didn't, do it. Didn't eat anything until I had another monster energy drink. Mm-hmm. Then I had a slice of Pizza Hut pizza that I've been sitting out for about an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, while running around, and if, if you've watched me ref, my ref style is very active. So you're doing the whole day on two monsters and a crappy slice of Pizza Hut. Yeah. Got it. In Denver. <laughs> you so add the high the, altitude. Yeah, add the elevation. Less oxygen. So when you mix all that together. <laughs> That's quite the cocktail. No bueno. <laughs> no bueno. So it's funny because when that I. That sounds like Spanish. <laughs> dude, I had, I had to run off the mats before the absolute oh, final. No. And when I came back, they're like, yo, we almost had the DQU. I was like, oh. I was like, I feel bad forever. I have to clean up my mess right now. Jeez. Oh, bad. And it kept on through the night. Oh, right before I left for the airport. Ah, oh, So then get through the weekend, come home, land in Newark. Right, right. Go pick up Steph, her Mother's Day gift. My plan was to get the Mother's Day gift and bring it to Benny's flag football game with okay. flowers and everything, but my plan was delayed, so. There you go. Uh, went home, you know, cleaned the pool, hung out with the kids. We, we did the whole thing. Oh, so you did the Mother's Day thing. Yeah, I did the Mother's Day thing. Okay. And then as Steph is cleaning up, and I feel terrible okay. because it's Mother's Day. It's her day. It it's really her is. day to be catered to. Mm-hmm. And I'm tapping out at like seven. I can't yeah, I can't yeah. do anymore. And I feel bad because I really do I want I want to spoil her. You know, okay. even though like her mom was there and like my like my sister stuck around and helped clean up and you know, bathe the babies and all that stuff. Right. It wasn't me spoiling yeah, her. I and I felt guilty because it's like, you know, it's cause I'm sick. And I'm sick because I went away for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, this isn't adding up. So, you know, I try to take care of, you know, do stuff on Monday night. Now, what's your go-to on Mother's Day cards? Like, are you writing stuff or you just write, dear Steph, dear baby, Mother's whatever Day it is. Mother's Day is just, you know, real quick. Happy Mother's Day, Miguel. A little bit more stuff than Happy Mother's Day. Okay. But like the anniversary one. Because I always feel like I got to throw in like at least a paragraph. Nah. Her birthday and anniversary, I'll add a little more. Her okay. birthday, I definitely, it's like, this is all about you. Here's your birthday. I'm gonna steal that line, by the way. Yeah, Mother's oh. Day and you know anniversary. I'm like, hey, another year. But, <laughs> but the Mother's Day card I got, the Mother's Day card I got was great because Steph always makes fun of me for forgetting to get cards, which I do. Uh-huh. Or I'm making like that like right. six a.m. trip oh, to course. CVS. I did that. I did that. Uh, ran over to CVS at eight o'clock. 
dude, I got to grab the kids. I'm like, Benny, shit, I need you to get in the car. He's like, where are we going? I'm like, shut up, He's like, where are we going? Can I bring mama? I'm like, shut up. Can I bring my stuffies? Sure, bring your stuffies. Come on, be quiet. Where are we going? Shut up. I said, shut up. He's just got a million questions. Right. Juliana's worse. She's like, I'm not leaving. Oh, I don't want to go. I'm like, get in the car. No, I want mama. And you got to buckle them into the child's oh, seats. Oh, God. I mean, they're <laughs> at the point now where they can buckle themselves, but okay. yeah, it's a pain in the ass. But so I got her a card that said, this year for Mother's Day, I got something that even a schmuck like me couldn't forget. <laughs> and when we open up, it's like a card that has a card for every holiday. There you so go. there's a bunch of little flaps oh, in it. I love it's that. like Valentine's, birthday. And it's like, that's all. a good card. How about the like, cost of these cards these days? I got a Dude. rack for eight bucks on yeah. a card. What happened to when cards were a dollar ninety nine? What the hell? Back in my day, <laughs> eight <laughs> bucks. I could buy the whole rack. What's going on here? Keep voting blue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got into a conversation with the dude. He's like, I can't vote Republican. Trump is such a jerk. I'm like, oh, yeah, they got some winners on the other side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I forget that he's the only asshole. Yeah, exactly. Well, my Mother's Day was uh, Lane and uh, let's see, she sleeps till about 12, 1 o'clock. So it gives me that nice window to go to CBS oh, and pick up the phenomenal. card. It is. It is. What time does she go to bed at night? Uh, lately we've been binging the office. So we catch like four or five episodes Great of the office show. from about 11 o'clock to about one thirty ish, two o'clock. And then, okay. and then we're going to sleep and then two o'clock, but she's going to the bathroom a lot. I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to get, get her. <laughs> she's a good, she's good for like three or four times a night going to the bathroom. Oh Jesus. Yeah. And the weirdest thing is like, she's not a good sleeper. So I'm always expecting to hear like, boom, 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 boom. You know, like she falls down gotcha. or something like that. And I'm like, Roy, I took a tumble. <laughs> exactly. You're like, Jesus, I just want to sleep. Exactly. What the fuck did I sign up for? I'll just play shit. dead. Be like, I didn't hear you fall. Sorry about that. Sorry, baby. <laughs> now, Steph, Steph sleeps through the night. Oh, she goes through the night. Okay. Yeah, but here's here's the only difference between myself and Steph. Okay. Like when I wake up to get ready for work early. Okay. Quiet. Oh, lights <laughs> I off. I know where you're going with this. Get dressed in the dark. Right. You know, like, hey, babe, I'm leaving. Love yeah. Bye, yeah. babe. Right. She wakes up. Lights go on. The TV Lights comes on. on. Yeah. <laughs> Trumpets are playing. <laughs> hey, babe. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. Yeah. What are you? What are your plans for today? Who fucking cares? <laughs> exactly. Shut the fucking lights off. Yeah, it's like, well, I would plan to have an extra thirty minutes of sleep if you would just fucking <laughs> let me. And like on days where she knows I start work late, oh, mm-hmm. it's like she's fucking. Right. She's purposely. She'll leave the bedroom with the lights on. Oh like, no! What is that all about? I, I think it's. Just, is that like sort of like a backhanded way of like? It's like get up. Yeah, it's like bitterness. It's like I have to wake up and get my day started. <laughs> you get to sleep till eight. It's like. Wow. I chose my path in life. You chose yours. That is some serious, like, subtextual, like... Uh, it's women. Is that it? Yeah, because they can get away with it. Lane does that to me. She does. Women do it. If a man did it to their wife, oh, they'd be it'd be a wrap. Exactly. You wouldn't hear the end of it. You wouldn't get laid for a month. It, they would They would run a gamut on you. Wow. But they can do it because we're, you know, we're we're honestly more peaceful creatures than women. I truly believe that. I'm going to actually take it to a different direction. Ooh, there, there, yeah, was a pod- <laughs> yeah. there was a podcast that was talking about the idea that if you go out on a date 
women still expect the door. They expect you to pick up the tab, that kind of thing. But the flip side is not occurring. In other words, they expect traditionalist attitude out of you, but they're not giving it back on their side. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like they still want the traditional stuff, but then it's but like, they're not I'm a strong, to... independent woman. It's Bingo. Like, mm, not the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. It's a balancing act. It, it really, really is. is. Um, I actually said that to one of, uh, I believe I said it to one of Steph's cousins or her, like her cousin recently. I was like, the problem is the, new, wait, the one that you, yeah. Read? Okay. I was like, the problem is somebody lied to women Big I was like, time. and gave you this idea that you can have everything. Yeah. I was like, and on your terms. Yeah. I was like, you know what men never get? Men never get that lie. Right. We're never told we can have everything. Mm-hmm. We're told you get nothing unless you earn it. Right. And I, and I saw that somewhere and I was like, it's very true. And you know, I, a lot of it is I blame myself like as a father, like I'm already setting up Juliana for like, you're going to be a princess. No man is going to yeah. treat her the way I treat her. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah. that's also what I'm trying to do. Yeah. But it's like, I'm actually, I'm actually fucking her up. In a sense you like, are because she has to, this is going to sound weird, but she's going to have to be somewhat submissive to right. whoever it is that she marries to have a successful marriage. Right. Because guys want that. Right. But that's why I also try to show her like how I am with Steph. It's like, I spoil your mother, but I also am like, yeah, I don't play that shit. That's <laughs> exactly right. That. So I think when she grows up, since she has her mother and dad in the house, she could see both roles and I she'll be able to, yeah, I think that's huge. You know, be able to navigate, you know, where it is that she can push music, you know, going the other way. Yeah. She's also going to be throwing combos. So any dude that did, <laughs> like, I don't think she's going to be able to date a weak man. No, she's. You know, no, she'll probably end up marrying an athlete of sorts, whether it's a martial artist or uh, some I kind hope of athlete. So. Have some athletic grandchildren. That'd be great. That would be very, very cool. I'd love it. Yeah, I'm. I'm at the point now where I'm asking Jay. It's like, uh, when am I getting a grandkid, bro? Bud, come on. Don't rush it. Get on. No, yeah, I, I rush it. Come on. By the time I'm like freaking seventy-five, and then I'll get a grandkid. How old is he now? He's twenty-eight. I said, realistically, Jay, when, when are we getting married? When, when are we having kids? You probably have one. And you said 35. I was going to say 35. So that's seven years from now. That, that puts me in the middle of my friggin' sixties. Yeah. Not cool. Hey man, you planned it. (laughs) I know I've planned it. The problem is, and and I'm right there with you, which is, you know, we planned to be at a certain point when we had kids. Yeah. We never think about the back nine. (laughs) <laughs> wow, that's a great way of putting it. No one ever it. thinks right. about it. You're like, I don't want kids before I'm 30. Right. Then, but no, you never thought about having a 15-year-old daughter at 45. Bingo. It's like, ooh. Like, Juliana is four. Um, I'll be 38 next month. So that means I'll be 50. This is life math. Yeah. So I'm going to be 49. Right. Right? When she's 15. Right. Jesus. Okay, tack on another 10 years. You're suddenly 59. She's 25. Yeah. Probably not going to get married till she's like 30, let's call it. So now you're 64. 64. Okay, which is my age yeah. in, that I'm concerning with, yeah. uh, with Jay. She pops out a grandkid at like 32. I'm 66. There you go. So realistically, you have basically like 15, 20 years with the kid. Yeah. Which I think <laughs> as a grandparent is more than enough. Is it? Okay. I think so. I mean, my grandma passed away when I was 17. Okay. She was also, she was only 62. Yeah, but you got 17 years out of you. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I get it. You know, and then there's like my son. So you're not going to watch the kid graduate college though. But 
or go to their wedding or go to their wedding. Yeah. You you're, you're out of that's the why people, you know, people who get their grandparents at their wedding, that's fantastic. Yeah. You've sashayed you know? off of the planet. Well, uh, you, listen, I mean, unfortunately, like my son, you know, only he's going to be seven next month already had to deal with it. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. He lost his grandpa and he, right. he's sad. I'm, I, no doubt. Like he'll say like every now and then he'll be like, I miss poppy. Oh. And I'm like, you want to talk about it? But he just shakes his hand. He's like, no. Yeah. But you can see, like, he misses them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's so permanent. That's the, you know, and they that's don't, the deal with it. They don't understand permanence at yeah. that age. Yeah. So when they ask, when are they coming back? And you say, they're not. Yeah. They don't get it. They don't grasp it. Because they're and it's like, so enormously sad. Right. Because a, a day for a child is very long. Yeah, exactly. So to give them the idea of forever, it's like, what? Yeah. So, you know, we were looking at um, our wedding pictures and wedding videos uh-huh. and, you know, my, my father-in-law's in the videos and he's like, it's Poppy. And he gets real excited and then he gets uh-huh. real sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, I miss my Poppy. Uh-huh. When's he coming back? He's Good not. Good kid. He's like, you know, at least I told Steph, I was like, well, it's easy to get sad about that. Yeah. I was like, but on the flip side, at six years old, he had enough of a relationship with his grandfather yeah. to miss him. Yeah. I was like, and he'll remember him. And we'll keep him alive. Right, right, right. So that's huge. I guess I was having this conversation with, I played, uh, all right, I'm setting myself up for a really bad geriatric joke here. Pickleball? Pickleball, baby. That's my new sport. (laughs) Fastest growing sport in America. You know what, dude? It's a mix between ping pong and tennis, and I just dug it. I played with Will Harz. How's Will? Two old bald Jewish guys (laughs) getting after it. Fantastic. We had a great time. I kind of want to pick it up myself. Dude, come on, seriously. How do you play? Like, you just stay in your little box and hit it back and forth? All right. How do you score? How do you win? Okay. Uh, Have you ever played ping pong? Yes. Okay. It's basically the same thing as if you're standing on the ping pong table. Okay. Okay. That's essentially it. Like, the paddle feels like a ping pong paddle, and the ball moves in the same way, but... It, it, it was just, just great. When you don't hit it, that's that's point. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like volleyball. Think about the scoring in like that, where you you serve, and if you lose the point, then the other guy serves. It's so not it's like like, in, like in ping pong, you have to serve five times, right? Whether you win or lose the point. In this, you lose the uh, the serve. So it's like volleyball in that okay. sense. Okay. So it's like small tennis with no bounce. Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, because that was that was part of my problem. I'm so used to playing ping pong, where the or excuse me, tennis, where the ball comes back to me really easily. Ball wasn't coming back to me so easily. Where does it go? Well, I'm just saying it dies because it doesn't have the same bounce. Mm. So you're like you're bending down a lot more. Does it bounce? It bounces, yeah, but not like not like the way you'd expect a tennis ball to bounce. Like you know when you you throw down a tennis ball, it bounces kind of yeah. almost back up. This thing, you throw it on the ground. It'll give you about half of that return. Interesting. Yes. And you can, you don't get as much spin on the ball. You don't get as much top spin or back spin and this and that. I could tell by your yawning that. Uh, no, it's just my life. I want, <laughs> No. Well, I've been seeing a lot of pickleball lately and I'm like, man, that's something I could probably get Dude, into. I'm telling you. It was like a sat- great. I told Steph, I was like, this is probably something you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I love my wife. Not the most athletic person. Yeah. But I'm telling you. she. All right. I think she'd like this. Is what I'm saying this is probably up her alley. Pookie said She's to me, com- she goes, can I play? I'm like, you know, Pooks, I don't think you can. <laughs> Steph, here's the thing. 
what Steph lacks in athleticism, right. she makes up for in competitiveness. Oh, I, I could totally see it. So in she'll her. find a way. <laughs> I see that little Italian yeah. like. Uh. She'll find a way to compete. Yeah. And stay in a match. So she wasn't athletic at all in high school or anything. She did like a, like like, like rec maybe? soccer. Oh, she, okay. she can dance. She was on okay. her dance team in college, um, and she danced all through high okay, school. Okay, so she's physically able. To yeah, she's okay. physically able, but like. She'll keep it close against right. someone she shouldn't be keeping it close to <laughs> because it. she just refuses to like accept it. Wow. Very competitive. Mm, I like girls like that. Very competitive. That's a great, that's a great girl. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Family game that in my house gets interesting. Gets weird. Juliana's the same way. Oh, I saw it in the, uh, in the video there. Same way. <laughs> she wants to just compete. Yeah. She'll rewrite the rules to make sure she wins. <laughs> Be like, how do you win? She's like, because those are the rules. I'm like, no, nah, not the way it goes. And now, you don't want to play golf, though, you said. No, too That's long, too, dude. okay. And it's like. Because I was out playing with Jack over the week. We played some golf. He, school, oh, that's, that's he right, fucking schools me. It's right up his alley. But, it, yeah, you could tell he's got that sort of white bread oh, kind yeah. of. Uh, oh, yeah. You Just know. graduated law school. Yeah. He knows. Like, Judge Smales walks by and he says, yeah. hello there, son. You're going to be. <laughs> he's like. Yeah. I, yeah. He's going to be like, listen, when you get a second. Right. <laughs> Come on. Three to five. Exactly. We'll settle for 18 Oh, he's months. negotiating on the course. Exactly. Tell you what. If you get it, whoever gets it closest to the green, that's, that's uh, what they're getting. Uh, you know what? That's beautiful. By the way, just as people know, our boy Jack just graduated uh, Just law graduated school. law school. Pace University. Good man. Good so man. proud of him. Wow. You know what he told he's me? He's just today? starting his life, and it's wonderful to watch. And and you know what? And Same thing with Manny. Let's applaud Manny. Manny graduating Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. Scarlet Knight, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Let's go. <laughs> I got a college degree, bro. I love Manny. Oh, it's amazing. When I see Manny getting a degree, I'm like, is it? Are they just giving those out now? What's going on around here? I And like, part of me is like, I can't believe he's been there for so long. Like, I forget how long him and Max have been training here. Yeah. It's been it's like, oh, it's been you guys three been years. At yeah. Least, yeah. Time flies on those mats, baby. Dang it, man. But, um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't like taking credit for what people do. Uh, I like, and I said that tonight in tonight's uh, post-class speech. I was like. That's why I brought it up. I'm not trying to give you wisdom. What I, and what I'm trying to do is create an environment where you can come and network, socialize, you know, clear your head. Yep. You know, find someone who can help you give guidance or, or help give you guidance. That's what I want to create with the school. It's not just jujitsu. Perfect. That's part of it. Yeah. That's a big part of it, but it's everything else. And I think that's why we're a successful academy. But he said, you know, when I first started training jujitsu. Who said, says this? Jack was telling me. He's Jack, like, okay. he told me tonight. He's like, I don't even know if you remember this. And I definitely don't. Anything I ever say, I don't remember saying it. <laughs> He's like, it was the first night, my first like my first week of jujitsu. My first week of law school, he's like, it It was a tough time. He's like, it was a, an adjustment for everything. He said, we were learning bow and arrow chokes, and you were teaching the defense. And he said, look, it's a lot like life. Sometimes the only way to get out of a shitty situation is just to dig your face right into that gi and let it burn for a little bit. Right. He goes, that stuck with me through all of law school. Oh, that's right. I was like, I said that? He goes, yeah. I was like, listen, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you guys know this. But a lot of the things that I say at the end of class aren't necessarily geared for you. It's honestly me talking to myself. Yeah. And telling myself things that I'm realizing as I get older in life. And to you guys, it comes off as wisdom and advice. But for me, it's like it's realization at that moment. Like, yeah, these are lessons that I've learned and I'm yeah. still learning. Yeah. But I told you this before and 
I, I always get accused of like, uh, you know, kissing up and this and that, but it's like, I truly believe out of all I've, I've been in front of black belts in multiple different types of like arts and they just get diarrhea of the mouth. You at least there's comedy. There's like some sort of like intelligent life form behind this whole thing. You don't force us to stand up there like captives listening to your horse shit. It just, it's good. If I have nothing to say or it's quick, I'm like, listen, we're quick. Good job. Yeah. And not, but sometimes if I'm feeling it, I like I the line you said tonight though, to the kids. <laughs> they were like bunched up on the, uh, on the side of the wall. Oh yeah. <laughs> what did I say to them? But you're talking to like nine, 10, 11 year olds. Yeah. I was like, quit the shit. Exactly. I was like, if you want to train with the big boys and big girls, put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants. There you go. I was like, stand straight. But you see how I'm like, we're the two things we work on. They're all like, that's what, oh, that's what struck me. Because it sounded like Hitler youth when you said it. That's, that's where I do. What are the two words? Well, that's how I run it in the kids' class. Oh, man. I'm like, what are the two things we work on? And they all go, focus and discipline. Yeah, and it's loud. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, if I ran the adult class, like I ran the kids' class, you guys would all quit. We'd be raising our right hand. Like, listen like, here, listen here. Say Kyle. Yeah. I'd get someone like, listen here, young man. You're not going to tell me. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> I'm the professor. Yeah, that was the, uh, so I'm talking with Will. And as I said, we got into this whole conversation about like when we're going to have grandkids and this and that. And uh, yeah, he, he got a little bummy. I got a little bummy. And then we started crying on each other's shoulders. And then, of course, we went for some really amazing. Matzo ball soup. Matzo ball soup. <laughs> Actually, we went for Korean food. Ooh. It was good, not great. So, okay. That means a lot to me. Because you're expecting like Korean food to kind of mimic Chinese food where the sauces are great. And not at all. Not, not at all. It's very no. bland. Very bland. The Korean beef is good though. Yeah, the bulgogi or whatever it yeah. is. Bulgogi. They really like tenderize it. It's nice and tasty. I'll tell you right now, But man. it's not as good as Mongolian beef at like P.F. Chang's. I don't like P.F. Chang's. Okay. Or as I call it. Changs. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I uh, I enunciate the PF. Uh, I gotta tell you right now. Go back. Two Jewish guys. Yeah. I want like, wherever you're going for Chinese food. Oh, we know where. That's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, that's we where know I'm going. Way. We know our way around. Yeah, Chinese I don't need food. I don't need Zagat. I need I need two I need Jewish I need I need two Jews. <laughs> and Zagat is Jewish. They they st- that's how the whole thing started. Which two, I need two yentas started talking about where to go, which restaurant to go Let to. Let me tell you something. If I want, we to know find, our shit. If I want to find a good deli, hang out with the heaps. Good Chinese food. I'm hanging out with the Jews. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like where are you guys going out? We're going out for Chinese food. See, Perfect. I'm rolling with, with the problem with Jews, and as one, and, and partially as you, as one are one four percent baby. I actually bump you up to five percent. Let's take. I'll take because you have the, you have the you have the humor. I'll take a nickel. Exactly. <laughs> Nickel Jew. <laughs> no, it's like we walk in like we own the place. Just most of the time you do. A lot of the times we do. But <laughs> no, but like we're like, put me up to my usual table there, Sonny, and <laughs> you know, and the guy's looking at me like, Shut yeah. fuck I bet up. you're real comfortable in a record studio. Always. Too. Like, yeah, what's going on, here, guys? <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Don't say that too out loud, though. They'll cancel you. We are very, very good at walking in and acting like we own the place. <laughs> I mean, technically, you guys own this place. This building's owned by Jews. I don't, is it really? Yeah, when I signed my lease. It's funny, when I uh, the landlord or the guy who runs, I guess, the account manager for this okay. building 
Jeremy, great guy. Hebraic dude. Yeah. Nice. Jeremy's a fantastic dude. And like, I love when he comes in here, right, right. you know, he's got the whole like Jewish tone and hey, right, Miguel, yeah, how's yeah. everything going? Is the building good? <laughs> you know, we got to talk about the rent. We got to do this. So what do you want to do with your lease love terms? It. You want to, ex- do you want, you want to extend the lease terms? I'm like, yeah, let's extend them. He goes, ah, oh, fantastic. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to lock. So, and I love him. I'm like, God damn, that's my guy right there. First time I met him when I went to go sign the lease we for this very, place. very personable people. I, I love him. He loves me too. Um, but like first moment he goes, Hey Miguel, I got to apologize. Don't got my shoes on. It's Friday. Get them polished. I'm like, whatever you say, guy. <laughs> then he introduced me to an even older Jewish guy. Right, 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 right. He's like, young man, this is a big space you're taking. You can afford this rent. And I said, I can afford this rent today. I was uh, like in a year, I'll afford the place next we, door. We love that. Dude. He was like, my kind. He love looked that. at Jeremy's like, Jeremy, I like this young man. <laughs> Get the paperwork. And then COVID hit, and I was like, guys, I was wrong. You're raising the white flag. I was, like, <laughs> I was wrong. Wait, wait, you're pulling the, <laughs> raising yeah. the flag up on top of the They're building. They're like, oi, you didn't prepare for a catastrophe? I'm like, no. My people weren't attacked in World War II. I don't have to prepare for catastrophes. Oh, my God. That's funny shit. Fuck <laughs> it. Oh, you know, Miguel, you should have had at least six months prepared for anything to happen in this world. We're like, homeboy, I didn't know the fucking world was going to stop. Well, that's the old joke. Like, like when a Jewish guy works for somebody, the boss is always a schmuck, you know. But if it's a Gentile that works for somebody, it's like, oh, the boss is the most intelligent guy going. No, and this and to Jews, everybody's a schmuck if it's not them at the top. So. Listen, I got nothing bad to say about my guys. I love them. Anytime there's like an issue, Jeremy hits me. He's like, listen, Miguel, let's 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 talk about this. Let's not get the lawyers involved. Right. Let's handle this. You and me. Two guys, two men. Let's just do it. I'm like, I love you, Jeremy. And we figure it out. Always do. Hello. And they were they were very good to me during COVID. So <laughs> they're not listening to this. Rock with them. <laughs> no, I don't even are listening just, to Neil Diamond. He's listening to something. I am a sad. He's listening to Beastie Boys. Jeremy's definitely a Beastie Boys. Oh, he's guy. a well, Beastie Boys are uh, he's probably he's too. probably around my age. You know the Beastie Boys were Jewish too. Yeah, I know. That's why yeah. he's listening. Okay, to that's so that's his, his speed. Yeah. Okay, right. he's 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 around my age. I think there's another band also. That uh, third base, I want to say. Is that ring third, the I don't know about third base. Okay, whatever. Or no, it's a base. Yeah, no. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh. No, that's not us. Anyway, no, that's so. not you. <laughs> Who else was Jewish? Oh, God. You got David Lee Roth from Van Halen. Was he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Come on. You got Randy Newman, the guy that writes all the Disney uh, things. I know Randy Newman. Yeah. You've got a friend in me. Yeah. Uh, you got the, the whole. Uh, gosh you know the band uh kiss oh yeah everyone knows everyone that. knows those guys are, come on yeah Chaim Witz is uh, Gene Simmons and Stanley Eisen that was uh it was Paul Stanley uh who else lots of guys the guy from Disturbed uh Darren the lead singer interesting Simon Garfunkel obviously Neil Diamond Barbara Streisand Carol King uh yeah, Barbara think. everybody knows yeah I'm trying to think of newer ones um Oh, our girl from uh, Long Island. Who is that chick? Taylor uh, Taylor Dane. Taylor Dane. Yeah, I used to think Lady Gaga was, but no, she's turns a, out she's Italian. Italian Catholic broad. I tell. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the whole deal with uh, Will. Enough talking about my people. Listen, uh, there's a pickleball court, dude. Literally, right let's do it. Like right next to my house. I'll be. I'll come down anytime. Right down the road. I know exactly where you're at. Right on Beekman Road. You tell Beekman me. Park. I got a paddle for you. I got a ball. Let's do it. Let's play. Let's have some fun. Let me know, and then I'm uh, down. We'll figure it out. Absolutely. Dig we'll it. Figure it out. So anyway, the uh, 
the topic of tonight. We're already 45 minutes in. That's amazing. I know. That was good. Topic of the night is life lessons. But here's the thing. Life lessons. I got a funny story about that quote. Well, hang on. Here's the thing, man. You were talking, every single thing you said tonight was almost like touching on these things because I noticed as I was writing down life lessons, how much it, you know, connects with BJJ. It really does. I mean, every single thing from like working through pain through, you know, like handling your, your successes and your failures. I mean, it really plays to this. The one that I really thought about tonight. Mm-hmm. And again, like I tell you guys, like I'm, you know, I'm talking to you, but I'm really talking to myself. I, we were talking about, you know, taking the mount or side control to mount looking for a submission. Mm-hmm. And I said how if you don't pay attention to those little details, not only will you not get wow. what you're hunting, you'll lose everything. And I said, you know, it's so easy to get focused on the big thing mm-hmm. that you ignore the little things. I was like, it's so easy to focus about the next promotion, the next raise, making right. more money, you know, getting more notoriety that you ignore, you know, texting your mother, hanging out with your kids. Mm-hmm. You ignore those things. And as much as I'm talking to people, it's like, that's something that I, it's, I'm not really giving it to myself as advice, but it's something that I'm really thinking about, especially because I just had a weekend where I was away from my family. And it's yeah. easy for me to be like, you know, got to go back to this next one. Got to do this. Got It's like, okay, sometimes you have to take a break yeah, and be home and be spend time with the kids. You know, I didn't come in Monday because I was super sick. You know, Tuesday, I could have, I could have probably come in last night. Right. I was still a little bit under the weather, but I was like, you know what? I, I could go back. I'm going to take one more night Yeah, and I'm going to just stay home. Feels good. I'm just going to be with my kids. Feels good. But then today hit and they're like, daddy, are you going to school? Yeah. Yeah. Back to reality, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you got me when you put. They need to know that I'm I'm going to make the effort to always be here for you. And yeah. I'm going to always make the effort. That's awesome. You know, everything matters, but you're more important than anything. Yeah, good perspective. You know, and it's like, you know, if it costs me a student or two students. It's, In the long run. Fuck it. I'll on. make that back. You know what I don't get back? I don't get back that Tuesday night with my yeah. kids. It's the old story. Like when you're on your deathbed, you're not saying, God, I wish I had another day of work. No. You know, Fuck that. like <laughs> every day I come downstairs and Chase goes, dad, what are you up to today? I'm like, you're looking at it. So I'm it's, just sitting here poking around my phone or shit. Yeah, and, but, and my kids too are at an age where here, the thing is this, and you've probably already realized this and you've talked uh-huh. about it on the podcast. I am now getting to a point in my life where I realize how quickly time goes yeah, yeah you realize it much more than i do yeah but i'm realizing it i realize it when i'm looking at a video of my daughter at 14 months mm. old singing motley crew and i'm like right. that baby is gone yeah. that day sure. is gone you know when i have videos of benny and i'm you know giving him a bubble bath and he's like eight months old and i'm like he doesn't even look like himself yeah that baby's gone and it's like they're and unfortunately they are gone like forever. i was talking like the other day i was walking with uh, we were walking the dog, Jason and I, and I said, you know what I really miss about you, you know, when you were a kid, he goes, what? And I said, I just miss your laugh. You had the, he had that's like the Swedish childhood laugh. Yeah. And I, that's what I miss. There's, it's funny like, you say that. I know you're, I know you know what I'm talking about. When they're babies, they have, they're like, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. can't stop laughing. I have a video of Benny. It's my favorite video. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's gone. It's gone. That's, it's just a shitful thing. But that's my thing. It's like, you know, they're, Benny's going to be seven, Juliana's four. It's like, you know, 
pretty soon I'm going to look at videos from this time and be like, man, I remember when they were that little. That's exactly it. And then before you know it, it'll be five years later, I'll look back at that time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it just keeps, you don't get to go back to it. And it's, it's, it's a moment in time. That's what it is. is. It's a moment in time. I'm just trying to enjoy this moment. And you can't freeze it. You know, I, I brought this up many, many times. My mom's like, you got to enjoy that. I'm like, Ma, I can't. I can't pause this shit. I'm doing the best I can, baby. I'm really, in, and I'll say this here, I'm really trying to do as much as I can right now. Yeah. Um, I've kind of already told with work, Steph. Yeah. With work. And, yeah. you know, I, I kind of told Steph too. I was like, the big number for me is 40. Okay. Um, you know, in two years, I'll be 40. And I told her, I was like, you know, wherever we are in life, got to make some decisions because I can't see myself going till 50 grinding the way I'm grinding right now. Yeah, I gotcha. So realistically with the numbers and the school growth, I feel like 40 is a very safe number mm-hmm. where we can be pretty, you know, okay. Begin with just to coast. One. You can yeah. begin to coast. Yeah. And you know, it sucks because I would have missed a lot of time, mm. but you know, my son will still only be nine yeah, uh, or eight and Juliana will be Benny's age. So but you talk like, about the life lesson that when you're in your 30s and your early 40s, that's the time to grind. Yeah, I, I listen. I come at it, I come from a career perspective, uh, consulting side of things, where I talk to guys that are like 45 years old that are going through their midlife crisis at that point, and I feel terrible for them. But this is it, and it's the same thing that I feel bad when I speak to a guy that's like 65, 70 that's got maybe a hundred grand in the bank, and he's or even 500 grand in the bank and that's how he's supposed to retire. It's crazy. It's tough. It really, really is in that sense. Uh, I I read an article in Bloomberg probably two or three years ago about the the old age pandemic Mm -hmm. or epidemic where it's, you know, the average age used to be 80 Mm -hmm. and people would plan to be retired for 20 years. Right. But now it's 90. Yeah. So you're seeing people at 70 re-enter the workforce because they need a little bit. Steph and I have actually talked about that for my mother-in-law. Okay. Not because she needs the money. She did very well and she was good, smart good. with her finances. Okay. Um, But I was like, man, why doesn't your mom get like a part-time job somewhere for like, yeah, you know, yeah. Sell candles or something at the mall. Yeah. I was like, get her out of the house. You go hang like out with some people. rose sandalwood. Let me tell candle. you something. Pat Fama would look perfect at a Hallmark store <laughs> selling you candles and cards for a special occasion. She's got that everyone's white woman mom. Like, she's not a bath and body works kind of chick. She's that, you know, if you look up white lady in the dictionary, okay. it's my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> to a T. And when I say that to people, like, dude, like, it's Christmas. That's she's got shit. the red Christmas <laughs> right. Christmas sweater. She's got the little blonde bob, the blue eyes. That's great. She's got the apron that says cookies for Santa. She's like June Cleaver. Oh, my it. God. Like, we take a family picture, and it's like somebody doesn't belong in this picture. You know, because Steph is, you know. Steph looks ethnic. She does. Well, my father-in-law was. You know, Sicilian. ethnic Italian, yeah, like ninety eight percent Sicilian. And, and suddenly, uh, you know, white bread is in the picture. Well, my brother in law too. You know, he's got the dark hair, okay, a little bit darker skin. His wife is a brunette. Uh-huh. You know, all the kids have dark hair, dark eyes. Right, and, right, you know, right. <laughs> there's <funny>. Pat. <laughs> white bread. Nobody looks like her at all. White bread and mayonnaise. <laughs> That's it. That's it. White I bread and adobo. A lot of adobo. But, uh, Ain't nothing wrong with that, baby. But we talked about that for a bit, you know, just to get her out of the house. But it, man, I don't know. It's just I'm getting older, and one of the life lessons that I'm realizing mm-hmm. is 
you plan so hard for the big things yeah. that it's the little things you start to miss. Yeah, it's also the little things that you remember. Yeah. You know, I was I was thinking about that myself the other day where it's like, uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, but uh, I, what started out for me, this whole thing, was I saw the movie Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. and... I, you know, there's a side of it that I'm looking at. I'm like, how crazy is war? I mean, it's really, really fucked up. It's serious. Like life and death. And, and and I don't mean to be trite about it, but it's really crazy when you think about that period of five years that people are just shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. And the death is around every corner. And I just kept thinking how short life is if you die on the beaches of Normandy Everything in the future is gone. Your Over. wife, the kids, everything that would have been is gone. Yeah. Just crazy, crazy shit. And that's what kind of got me to thinking about, you know, the life lessons and the loss of life in that sense. And uh, how you, it really kind of makes you approach life a little differently, maybe a little more appreciation in that sense. Uh, you know, it's funny. And, I, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, you know, when I was like 20 Mm-hmm. 21 and you you still hear it with like young kids yeah, yeah. like i'm not scared to die bro i'm not scared of death it's yeah. like of course you're not scared to die yeah because you, you think you're not- invincible you have nothing to live for bingo there you go roy i'm not lying when i say this there are days where i'll drive in my car and i'll think about you know my friend shannon whose husband passed away my man brian was like 44 mm-hmm. that's in six years benny would be 11 12 juliana will only be 10 yeah i do the math in my head and i'm like I said it the other day out loud. I was like, I got to fucking stay alive. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm like, I got to stay alive. <laughs> right. And like, I'm like looking up to the clock. I'm like, I'm like, my man, <laughs> fuck it. I got to stay alive. Let's make a deal. Let's figure something out. And here's the other. I don't got to live to a hundred, but let me live old enough to where my kids can, they can transition without me. Exactly. Appropriately. And here's the other thing that, that struck me about this. It has nothing to do with what race you are, what ethnicity you are. What anything, we've all got X amount of years and we're all trying to figure this shit out. Everyone has an expiration date. That's it. And life's going to do what life does. That's it. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my sister today. One of her friends posted something about uh, on uh, on Facebook. It was a, a Frederick Nietzsche quote about, uh, is it Nietzsche or Nietzsche? Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, about God is dead. How hope is the worst thing a man can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was and, a real fun, fun guy at the yeah, parties. Yeah, yeah. So my sister's like, "What does that mean?" I was like, "Listen, I get it." I was like, "I'm not, I'm not a real hopeful person. Okay. I don't believe in sitting around and hoping. Okay, you know, and being hopeful and thinking You're the quote best. unquote realistic. I believe that you should prepare yourself for whatever's coming. Okay, you know, if great things come, be prepared for that. Love if terrible it. things come, be ready for that. Yeah, and. You know, we were talking about that, and I was like, "I was like, you agree with that quote too? You just don't realize it." Yeah. I was like, "You don't sit around hoping. You're an action person. You get things done." Mm-hmm. And I told her, "I was like, at the end of the day, no matter what you do, life's gonna do what life does. Yeah. It's your job to be ready for whatever it brings." Right. And I'm really trying. I just want to be ready. You know, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I just yeah. want to be ready. You're so far ahead of the game, though. So many people. Your age, like I said, or, or so many people that, that you knew or whatever, they don't think that way. Well, I, I mean, I think it's also because I grew up in a household that wasn't, you know, orthodox. And I don't mean orthodox Jew, I just mean traditional in the right. sense. And, you know, it was my mother working seven days a week, right. you know, really 
struggling and grinding to get things done. So right. for me, I'm like, okay, she accomplished this much doing right. it that way. I can accomplish more because she made the path for me a little bit easier. Right, right, right. Uh, and then my job is for my kids to accomplish even more than me. Right. Now. So I've just really gotten to a point where I'm feeling my age and I'm like, I really probably have about two years where I can really burn this candle on three different ends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ideally I would like it to be just a school and I would love to continue working with ADCC in some sort of facet, mm -hmm. maybe even, you know, branching off that into something else. But I think, you know, ultimately my time with my job is, uh, it, I wouldn't want to say it's limiting, but it's getting to a point where it's like, yeah, it's, it's beginning to drain you. But you did say it's uh, not draining me, but I'm, I'm getting to the point where I can realize like I can't even but though you I did talk about people that, that run the whole line. In other words, they stay there their whole lives. And whole you lives. said something about, which was really cool. You said they get institutionalized. Institutionalized. That's Shawshank. Yeah. They're in there for so long that they don't that, know how to get their, out. That's their life. Uh, we were talking about, you know, a conductor I work with, you know, you know, a lot of them, this one in particular hired out in the eighties mm -hmm. and, you know, they're ready to go. Yeah. And I was like, why are you still here? And they're like, ah, you know, I'm going to stay one more year. <laughs> and I'm like, well, here's why you can't go. You're here 15 hours a day. Yeah. All your friends are here. Everyone yeah. you hang out with is here. You go to New York and then you have your break and you're going out to eat with this person. You're going to catch a show with that person. And then you come back and you fit. How can you leave? Right. You're going to wake up. Spend the day by yourself. All right, so let, let's play this out for a second here. A lot of people have that. In other words, they their waking hours are consumed with work. Okay, yeah. so uh, all of their acquaintances, all of their associations occur that way. They have a bit of a a bit of the pie chart as family, and then they got a bit of like their friends on that pie chart. How do you split that time up if you're solidly in the work mode? And all your friends are at the same <laughs> job. Yeah, that's my point. It's it's just. It, listen, it, it's not for me to figure that out. Right. But I can learn from that and say, that's not what I want for myself. Right, right, right. You know, most of my friends are on the mats. Right. I have, I have friends at work. Sure. So if there was a pie chart, what would it look like? In other words, what percentage of your life would be work, would you say? <laughs> and I'm taking train. I'm, I'm going to say maybe like. 15%. Okay, 15%. Let's, let's do this. What would be jujitsu oriented? And that includes ADCC. And that includes ADCC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely 50%. Okay, so half of your... Okay, let's say we, we sleep eight hours. So we, the, the 16 hours, 15% is work. Half of that would be jujitsu oriented. Yeah, because if you figure... School... Dealing with school, people. ADCC, watching matches, right? Okay, group text. You know that okay. it's a lot of it, and then you know work is very minimal. Like even when I'm at work, I'm doing other things. <laughs> okay, uh, I get it. You know, I'm I'm multitasking, and then any free time that I have it goes to my family. Okay, so that would be the thirty five percent remaining. Forty percent. Okay, because you got uh, fifteen plus uh, uh, fifty. Did I say fifteen or ten for work. You said 15. Oh, it's probably like 10. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm there for eight hours physically, but mentally. You know. You're checked out. Let's put it this way. I Your got, body is there. Your listen, mind's I'll not put there. it to you this way. On one tab, I've got my emails. Right. And then on the other tab, I've got fanatics. Got it. So when I hear footsteps, we are minusing out of that thing. Thank God for windows. A lot of this. A lot of. Do you remember the line from uh, Seinfeld? Where George says the way to look like you're really succeeding is work is to always look mad. 
You're like, <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Not the George one, but this was advice that someone gave me when I first went into like the corporate world. Okay. They said, never walk around empty handed. That's a good line. That's great. I was like, really? He's like, listen, even if it's a blank sheet of paper, right? No one knows. No one knows. Exactly. Are you making a copy? Did you just get that? Is right. it a fax? Are you <laughs> yeah. doing something with it? Is it important? Are you delivering it? Right. Always walk around with something in your hand. That's funny. That's, That's my fun. rule, baby. Half the time I'm walking around with my briefcase, I'm getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the here's the worst part. I used to be in, I was in sales when I was in corporate. So it's like if you did do that and you're just fucking around, every month they'd look at your sales and oh, it impacts like, your bottom line. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. Well, so this dude's out of here. This, here's how we measure my success at work. Okay. My students have to pass. Right. This right. is why I get away with a lot at work. Okay. Because I'm listen. Another life lesson, I'm realizing what I'm good at. I'm a fucking good teacher. I can break things down in the simplest way for anyone. So for about two years straight, uh-huh. I was in the classroom. It takes up a lot of time. Now I have to be there. I've got to be doing this. i got to do everything. Uh, right now, I'm on a little bit of a break. My boss has kind of figured out like, hey, he's been teaching a lot. Right. You know, throw him a bone, which is great. I mm-hmm. feel very refreshed. I go back into the classroom in July. Once that happened, it does start to take a little bit of time. It right. takes a little bit more uh, work for me. Uh, but I get away with it because my pass You produce. Rate, I, I'm, I got like a 97% pass there rate with my, with my students. Okay. They get through. And they know their shit. And it's funny because other conductors would be like, who is your instructor? And they're like, Miguel. They're like, okay. You know your stuff. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I, I teach it very well. Well, that's how it's break. It's funny when I was talking about- Is that your water or mine? I got this for you. Oh, my man. You're empty. It. Oh, thanks, buddy. You got it, pal. Roy just grabbed me a cold water out of nowhere. Yeah, that's... You're the uh, the best. Yeah, think about it. Uh, So when I was breaking up this whole life lessons thing, because it really is how you approach life in different ways, you know, with regards to money and living and working and growing up and parenting and all this shit. So what would you say would be life lessons coming out of work? I wrote down things like you got to make yourself necessary, which is essentially what you have figured out as a teacher succeeding in what you do. So life lesson. They cannot let you go, in other words. Life lesson number one. This is a true story. And uh, Jermaine Jenkins, may he rest in peace, he was my mentor when I started with New Jersey Transit. And he said, you know, the job is seniority based. (laughs) So based on how much time you have, that's the job you can hold. Everything's based on seniority. Right. He said, you know, everyone thinks that seniority is based by when they hire. He's like, that's not how it works. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, master your craft. Yeah. Learn your job. And then this is how he broke it down. He's like, there's about five different positions you can work on the railroad. He's like, ticket collector, right? You work on the train, just collect the tickets. He's like, most basic, simplest job. He's like, 1,500 conductors on the railroad, all 1,500 are willing to work that job. You're bottom of the barrel. He's like, now you bump it up to rear brake. That's the person who's opening the doors, doing the right, brake right, test. Right, okay. He's like, okay, that 1,500... Maybe only 1,200 want to do that job. He's like, you just bumped up your seniority 300 spots. That's interesting. You just jumped those 300 people that don't want that responsibility. He's like, conductor. He's like, 1,500 conductors, maybe 600 want to conduct because it's all the responsibility. If you become someone who learns this job and wants to be a conductor, you just jumped over 900 people. Conductor is the guy that manages the, the You're ride. in charge of everything. You're okay, talking to the dispatcher. You're talking got to the it, engineer. It, it. You run the train. He's like, now let's say you want to go in the yard. He's like, now you're jumping over most of the, 
most of the roster. He's like, if you're willing to be a conductor in the yard, he's like, kid, when you have two and a half years, you just jumped over 1,200 people in the roster. And all because you wanted to take on the roles. He's like, learn your job and no one can fuck with you. And I took that a different way. I said, I'm going to learn this job. And I'm going to get into the office. And I got promoted to the train department in four and a half years. They've since changed the rule. You need about seven years before you can go into management. And they brought people in to watch me teach because so many conductors complained about my lack of seniority on the railroad. But when they saw me break down the rules, they said, we're done. We get it now. Yeah. And I was like, suck on these balls. (laughs) (laughs) Is that exactly what you said? Yeah, that's pretty much what I said. But it's funny because like now, like now I see some of my students that have four and a half years and I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys don't know shit. Well, that's the old line. I mean, you know it when you see it. You know what I'm saying? Like even when you're on the mats, you, you know a kid that's like getting it. Well, it's funny because I had one of my old students at work. He's like, hey, Miguel, send me some some trainees because they get paid to mentor. And I was, right, like, right. I was like, dude, you just started. He looked at me. He goes, I have as much time as you did when you went to the train department. And I was like, oh, no wonder people were upset. I was like, makes sense. I get it. I get it. Not a lot of time, but I can teach. There you go, man. Yeah, the other thing that I was thinking, you said that uh, you take it on the rolls of work and this and that, but so many people don't embrace that. Listen. You know, they, they just like, they're not corporate guys. They, you know, they're the guys that like look like they don't ever want to be there. Yeah. That's life lesson number two. Yeah. In answer, terms of work, yeah. Answer the call. Yeah. You know, that's UFC. That's Dana White. That's the world. Answer the call. Mm-hmm. You know, people forget, and, and I'm going to bring it up Tom, which, by the way, happy belated birthday, Tom oh, yeah, DeBlas. Yeah, he that, he turned that. 41 on Sunday. Wow. Um, so if you hear this, happy birthday, Tommy boy. How do you celebrate it, you know? I have no idea. He actually celebrated a date early. Because he's cultivating quite the little friendships uh, out there now. I saw that picture with him and uh, Gordon. Oh, yeah. So that he celebrated a date early so yeah. that he could focus on Mother's Day for his mom. Nice. You know, very selfless of him. But uh, no, I mean, I guess he celebrated. I was in, I was in Denver doing my thing. But uh, I didn't get a chance to like, like I didn't make like a big happy birthday poster. Cause I, was, I, was I like what you posted on uh, Facebook. That was great. That picture of you and Tom? Yeah, but that was just a story. That wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. a post. Um, typically, I make a post, but dude, I was so sick. I could barely even look at my phone. Uh, so, he, uh, when he got called to the UFC, okay. he had just pulled out of a fight with Ring of Combat because he had like really badly injured his ankle, and I think he was having an issue with his shoulder. Well, he pulled out of a fight, right. which means he was out of camp. He's eating Cocoa Puffs. He's enjoying his life, waiting for the next. favorite cereals, by the yeah, way. it's a good one. Waiting to get healthy and go back. UFC calls. Can you be in Sweden in eight days? Oh, I remember you saying this, yeah. And you know what you do? You answer the fucking call. Oh, yeah. You say, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Life is about opportunities and then taking advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Because they don't always come back around. He proved himself as a company guy in that sense. And he did it. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing it with one FC. Killed it as a commentator. I heard. I heard he did great. Crushed it. I always tell the story when uh, people always ask, "How did you? How did you get high up in uh, corporate?" And it, the one thing I don't know why I do it. I, I I have this really weird thing with with litter. Like when I see it, I have to pick it up. It it really bugs the shit out of me looking at garbage outside on the uh, parking lot. Mm. So I uh, at lunchtime, I picked up garbage in the uh, in my bank. I used to work at a bank a long long time ago. 
and the guy in the car you? goes, yeah. a Jewish guy working in a bank. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Jesus, I was an anomaly. <laughs> so I'm picking up the garbage, <laughs> and this guy in a car calls me over, and he goes, uh, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm picking up the garbage, and because it's bugging me that all this garbage is here." The guy was the vice president of the bank. And he said, I want you to come to the main branch. <laughs> so that was my little success story. That, that occurred two weeks into my, my tenure there. And I just cut my hair and everything because I was a musician and suddenly I'm a corporate guy now. That's it. It was crazy. So, so it's funny you gave me that story. When I was a kid, uh-huh. I used to get my hair cut at the State Barbershop in Trenton okay. with Joe Festa. And Joe was one of those guys, older Italian How dude. much was the haircut back then? I'm curious. Dude, I think like 10 bucks exactly. covered the haircut and tip. <laughs> yeah, I used to do go to New Brunswick uh, yeah. for a $10 haircut. Yeah, I was a kid. And Joe, I think he's like in his 80s now. Okay. But, you know, back then I was a kid. He's like in his like you know, 50s and 60s. Right, right, right. Jacked. He'd flex his oh, biceps, wow. okay. doing push-ups. Okay. Wears a wife beater all year round. <laughs> nice. Sings opera to people. This guy just loves life. Love it. Okay, I love a dude like that. And he, he'd always be featuring like local newspapers and stuff because he was also like giving life advice while giving a haircut. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I'll never forget when I was a kid, he's giving a haircut one day and he was saying how his daughter was trying to get a promotion at work. Mm. And she was like, like dad, like what, you know, I'm doing all my work. What can I do? He's like, here's how you succeed. Always work as if someone's watching you. That's great. Because somebody always is. Or work like you own the place. But that's kind of your situation. You're just picking up trash and without you realizing it, somebody saw it yeah it's true so that always stuck with me and that's why when i do things i'm like you know someone's always watching and then i take it a step further and i'm like if i can force them to watch i will right west coast trials i don't make it a secret there were two mats they could only have one ref and i said i want one of those mats i knew i was going to be tired i knew i was going to be exhausted but Mm. i was like i can put it on tape wow they can't say i didn't see you right if you looked in this corner you saw phone you picked up the phone essentially you give me a crack in that door, I'm going to kick that motherfucker open and take it. But Tom also talks about the guys that don't clean up the mats. Same kind of mentality, you know? And so like Going back to that, and you're right. Ed Reed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he'll oh, be a Hall I think he has a Hall of Fame, right? That's a gimme. Yeah, I don't know if he's in yet. Okay. I think he might be. Anyway, Hall of Famer, safety. The year the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl. Right. There's this great story. That it's like week two or week three. This is what, 202, I think? Something like that. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it was the the later one. The last one with Ray Lewis. This is the His one last where they ride. destroyed the Giants. Stop it. 2002 <laughs> is what you're thinking about. I knew you were bringing <laughs> one up, Dick. This is the one where they beat the 49ers because okay. Beyonce blew the power out at halftime. So, uh, you're such a... Your team's not going to do any well next year. No either. kidding. Why do you think I could talk like this? So, so uh, he said that he's looking around the locker room. Uh-huh. And he's noticing the players just like leaving their trash, mm. throwing their towels on the floor. And the story goes, he, he erupted. He burst. Wow. wow. He said, you guys want to be world champs. You can't even pick up after yourselves. He said, to be a world champ, you have to do everything mm. perfectly. I love that. It doesn't start on the field. He's like, why are you depending on some guy who volunteers to clean up your fucking towels? Right. Put your towel in the bin. Put your trash in the garbage. Do the little things mm-hmm. all Love day it. long. And like, you know, I'm sure he said it in a much more colorful way. <laughs> right. But they started. And, you know, they started, you know, being, you know, more, uh, you know, friendly with the staff that was helping out. Being right. more courteous. Right, right, right. And that transferred to the field. 
if you do the little things. That's the, the whole beginning. Jordan Peterson thing too. Make your bed. That literally make your bed. Yeah. Start off the with, tone. Start off with you, and then go from there. So, and then wow. they won that year. So I always think about that. It's, it's those little things that matter. Man, that guy was a fucking powerhouse. That whole team was a powerhouse. <sighs> Love the Monsters. Ravens back then. Who was that? Who was their quarterback? Dilfer. Ba- Dilfer was in 2 Flacco won it. Oh right, right. Flacco yeah. won. It. What was that? Two seven or two eight? I forget. I can't remember that far back. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you can't. <laughs> I can't. No. <laughs> All right. So if you start doing life lessons in terms of like just living, just in terms of living, I, the things that I wrote down was, I, th- I think people choose to be happy and people choose not to be happy. Like I could see it in people. And if you have the choice, knowing you have appreciation for life, why wouldn't you want to be happy? So... I think being happy also has to come with finding positive outlook. Right. And I've had this conversation several times with my Mm mother-in-law. She's like, how do you maintain your positivity? She's like, how do you stay positive? And I tell her it takes practice. Right. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm not a chipper guy. I get pissed. I get angry. I lose my shit. But when I do, I understand the fact that mm, I lost. Yeah. That that's an L. That's me. I I I let that get me. Mm. So what I told her, I was like, Pat, think about the things that upset you. Don't get upset over them. She's like, What do you mean? I was like, Okay, you go to a restaurant. They put the wrong meal in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just raise your hand and say, Excuse me, not what I ordered. And they go, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no problem. Brush it off. Right. Instead of this is not what I ordered. <laughs> now you're all worked up. They're going to fucking fix it. Yeah. And even if they don't fix it Mm -hmm. right now, there is a woman not eating because she had to choose between her or her kids. Right. You're complaining over, you know, two enchiladas and a burrito when it's supposed to be two burritos and one enchilada. No one gives a fuck. Perspective. Understand that what you're complaining about is what someone's dreaming about. Right. So I tell them, like, start with small things like that. You know, they don't have the drink you want. They don't, you know, the movie you want is sold out. Okay. Yeah, be above the fray in a sense. But don't, you, don't, get in, don't get in the weeds. But those little things, those little victories yeah. help you get prepared for the big ones. Well, you know what that is? Uh, see if this makes sense to you. I call it true confidence. In other words, you've built up a whole... Breathing through your balls. Breathing through your balls. Yeah, we baby. haven't said that in a long time, but that's that essentially one. what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like true confidence to me is I have X amount of years of solving things, succeeding in things, working hard, and this and that. So I have true confidence. I remember speaking with my uh, my mother-in-law before she passed away. She would always say, Roy, how's things going? I'm like, great, great. She's like, yeah, but you don't have that much money. But this, I go, I'm telling you, everything is great. I feel good. I, I have true confidence about what's going to be in my life. Yeah. And some people just don't have that. They, they don't have the confidence the from the trees. Or they're just negative people and they're choosing to be negative. That's the big one. Yeah. And if you if you constantly surround yourself in a dark cloud, yeah. you're never going to get out of it. You've got to bring the own light to your life. Now, is that a sex thing too? A gender thing too? Because I find that women tend to be a little bit more on the negative slash realistic side. Nah, nah, because you know Because when you find a really chipper, happy girl, that's such a wonderful thing. I think it's hard to find chipper. Here's the thing. 
I think women tend to be less chipper because they're smarter than men. I no think doubt. ignorance yeah. is bliss. And I think you know, okay. knows like the happiest guy is always the dumbest guy in the room. No doubt. He's happy as shit because he doesn't realize what he doesn't know. So true. He's just dumb. Right, right. You know, whereas women are so, I've, and I've said this several times, the problem with women is they become, they're so much smarter than men uh-huh. that they eventually reach a point where their intelligence makes them um, crazy. They just, you yeah. know, they start getting upset with you over a dream they had or, you know, my women's intuition. Yeah. It's like, relax. You had a, you had gas. You had a feeling. Settle down. But they're almost too in tune and too yeah. smart. It's like. They're looking for that sort of subtext that, that what does he really mean when he says that sort of thing? Well, my, so my wife and I, we send each other memes all day. Okay. And I love that. I love that we're at that point where like we can send each other little funny That's jokes beautiful. all day. I love it. And they're all like husband and wife ones, which is like very accurate. Right. So she sent me one the other day. It's like, you know, me. And it's the wife like packing for a trip. And it's like me packing for a trip. And it's like the wife stressing, overthinking, looking through the list, making sure we have tickets, everything. It's like yeah. my husband taking a 20 minute shit. And it's like the guy just like... <laughs> I you know, this. dancing around like, yeah, whatever. I got this, exactly. It's like, yeah, so it is. So is that a male thing? That's what I'm getting at. You know, I'm very curious. This is something I would really like to dive deep into, uh-huh. you know, because the world is also very different for men and for women. It, no doubt. So it's almost like, could that be the reason? Is it because when I walk outside, I know right away I have to be a man. I'm being judged as a man. Yeah, I have to be yeah, a certain yeah. way that when I get home, I'm just like, eh. Packing for a trip, no big deal. Whereas for a woman, it's like, you know, everyone tends to be a little bit nicer and kind of like, don't talk like that to a lady. So excuse me, a lady's waiting for a seat. So it's like the world's a little bit nicer to you. So that when you get home, you're like stressing about little shit. And I'm like, little, it's like, honey, you know how many fights I almost got into today? Yeah, exactly. Like I got called a cocksucker at seven o'clock in the morning. You know how much energy it took for me not to kill that motherfucker? (laughs) So here I am. I'm not going to stress about packing for a trip. Awesome. Steph gets so mad. Oh, She's she? like, did you pack for Denver? I'm like, no. I got a toothbrush and another t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's all I need. She's like, what time are you going to pack? I was like, well, I got to leave the house at two for the airport. I'll probably pack at midnight. <laughs> right. I'm the same way. I tell him, I'm like, I mentally packed. She's like, what does that mean? It's like, I have a list of what I need. Right. Now I just have to go physically grab it and put it, <laughs> put it in my bag. It's not you know, my move is now whenever we travel, because Lane used to overpack all the fucking time. I'll always, no matter what, I'll always pick the bag up and always say, take a couple of things out of here. No matter what it is. I don't care if it, like, I could lift it up easily, like 10 pounds. Yeah. I'm like, this ain't going to pass muster. Get yeah. rid of half of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> now, if my wife was here, she would say, um, don't forget to tell Roy how you always forget something very important. And she'd be right. Like, we're going on a, on a trip to the- Doesn't that suck? Yeah, like, you know, we're going on vacation to make- I forgot the phone charger. Dude. God damn it. I do shit like, you know, we're going on vacation to like DR. And I'm like, whoops, <laughs> forgot to pack a bathing suit. <laughs> Same sort of Whatever. Shit. I'll find one. And that's, that's another thing that annoys her. I don't stress. Yeah. She's like, I don't know how you're not upset. I'm like, Steph, <laughs> we're, we're not in Timbuktu. Like, you know, yeah, we're, exactly. we're in Virginia. I can go to Target and buy swim trunks. Right, right, right. I've gone on trips where I don't pack socks. Absolutely. ADC, ADC, I go down in Florida. I never pack socks. Do these ADCC events? I never pack socks. Wow. Because I always go buy new socks. The only thing that I do pack a lot of. I love of, new socks, by the way. Best oh, feeling in the world. New socks are great. And so is new underwear. New oh, underwear, yeah. new socks. Or I, no underwear. I don't go that ride. But, oh, uh, dude, let those balls <laughs> flop, baby. You go commando. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean. I, I tend to pack overpack with underwear. 
I don't know why I like the idea of having like extra underwear. No, I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, be listen. Because I'll go to the gym at this thing. I come back. I'm a little raunchy down there. Take a shower. I need a new pair of underwear. No, I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you. Because it's like, okay, you're going on vacation. There's a gym. There's a pool. There's mm-hmm. a this. There's a that. You're like, I might need four pairs per day, depending That's, on what I do. Thank what you. if we go on a what if thank we go you. on a on a ATV ride? Well, there I'm not going to wear those all day. Right. Then we go out to dinner. Maybe I wore a pair while I train. That's five. That's four pairs right there. That's exactly it. I'm with you on the underwear. Things get a little steamy down there. It's either fresh, clean underwear or no underwear at all. Bingo. Absolutely agree. <laughs> okay. Last thing as far as general living. Uh, I, I wrote it down. It's like you're defined by what you say and how you act. In other words, you really, really have to be aware of how you are thought of. And people think of you in terms of what you say and how you act. So if you keep your mouth shut, obviously you're thought of as that kind of person. But if you're a loud mouth, then you're thought of as this kind of person. In other words, you cultivate your reputation in that sense. Roy, I call that. Thank P- you, brother. I call that PPR. Okay, hit me with this uh, life lesson. Projection, perception, reality. Love it. Your projection creates your perception, and your perception becomes your reality. Love it. So what you project, that is what people will perceive of you. That's how they perceive you. And whatever they perceive of you, that is the reality. Yeah. And you can be like, well, I'm not really like that. Get to know me. No, no, no. People don't get a chance to get to know you. They're going to go based off what you're putting out there. Right. And that's it. If you dress like a moron and talk like a moron, they're going to think you're a moron. Right. And then people around them will be like, oh, yeah, that guy's a moron. Until eventually, maybe you'll open your mouth and they'll say, oh, he's not that dumb. But some people will say, yeah, he is. You can't get past that. You can't. You know, you look like someone like, you know, Paulie Shore. He was, I just heard him on Rogan. And, you know, Paulie Shore, very intelligent. Yep. You know, grew up at the comedy store. His mm-hmm. mom is a comedy legend, Missy absolutely. Shore. Yep. You know, he did not have an easy childhood or upbringing. Right. But he created this persona. And, you know, in the early 90s, people were like, that, guy, that kid's an idiot. He wasn't an idiot. Nah. But that's, he needed that to be the reality. Same thing with Paul Rubens. Yeah. Pee-wee. Pee-wee Herman. Yeah. They had to believe it. You have to believe that. You know, you get a guy like a Vin Diesel. He had to be a tough guy. Yeah. He had to be Dom Toretto. He had to be that tough guy. Is he? Probably not. Right. But he had to project that because that had to be the reality. Right, so you're saying it projection Projection perception, creates the perception, which the perception creates the, the reputation or reality. Got yeah. it. Okay. I could see where some people would get pissed when they, when they get into the whole idea of like stereotypes. Oh, you look at this kind of guy, you know, you're thinking he's going to do this kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Listen, right now I have long hair and a beard. Right. And I'm sure, and when I put on my little New York Giants flannel hat in the, or flannel jacket, you know, my right. flannel hat in the big truck. I'm projecting an image. That's exactly it. You are projecting a certain thing. You get out of the truck, people are thinking they're dealing with a badass. Yeah. Okay. And that people will believe that, and that'll be the reality. Right. Now, fat rewind to about five years ago, where I had the fade, the hard part, clean <laughs> face. You did driving a black Lincoln. Right. Very different projection. Much different. Yeah. Very different reality. They're both me. Yeah. But they're both projecting projecting different things. Yeah. People are going to perceive different things based on what they're seeing and i can't say how dare you assume that motherfucker you gave them everything to yeah, assume yeah, that yeah, yeah. if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's a fucking duck right people look at me right now i had someone the other day go go bro like you're just missing the maga flag and i'm like you would be correct right. you would be correct with that perception but i've projected that i projected the you know 
redneck, gun-toting, bearded hillbilly right, in a right, fucking right, right, pickup yeah. truck. Yeah. Yeah, but I was cracking up. I was cracking up what you were saying to Felicia when you were saying like different groups view you as an ally in a different way. Yes. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, Puerto Rican. Right. I can navigate water. Stride that fence. Yeah. I'm like a boat that can go on land and water. There you go. Yeah. You're an amphibious attack vehicle. But again, I think that's also because of how I grew up. Mm. You know, going to private school, then going to public school in Puerto Rico, then going right. to public school in Trenton, then going to yeah. public school in the suburbs. Those are all very different Big time. walks of life. Wow. And I had to figure out how to navigate those waters yeah. and not always be the new kid and not always get my ass kicked. <laughs> so the Which next one that I was thinking, yeah, I'm sure. So the next one I was thinking about is money, you know, and, and the obvious things that came to my mind was obviously don't spend more than you make. Here's the obvious thing. You need it. <laughs> yeah, well, no doubt. Like, you don't need money to be happy. But no. what came to me was I was talking with Victor the other day and we were talking about just how much more expensive it is these days for kids or people, you know, graduate or in their 20s or whatever it happens to be than it was when I was that age. 100%. And I really, really have to, you know, because everybody thinks that their time was the worst, but I really genuinely believe it's harder now. It's by, brutal. Yeah. When you see like 30 and 35 year olds still living at home, yeah, it's easy to be like, oh my God. What a loser kind of thing. They never move. It's like, yeah, ask them how much they make and why they still live right. at home. Right. Because they might have student loans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or- the student, oh my God, don't even get me started on that one. Holy that's shit. Wild. You can cut, the crazy thing is you can file for bankruptcy, but those student loans don't. They stick. They stick. Wow. And the interest builds up and it's a, it's a fucking Ponzi scheme. I did four years- you know, when I graduated 82 to 86, I did four years and I saw the bills recently. It was $6,000 a year for a private school in Pennsylvania. It would be easily 60 to 70,000. Easy. Now. You're, you're spending $200,000 on a degree that's going to get you a $70,000 a year job. Bingo. I, you know, when I was there, it was Where's maybe $25,000. No return on investment. Yeah. Exactly. There was a time where you needed that $20,000 degree to get a $50,000 job. Okay, we're working. Now it's like, I, I'm going to be paying this till the day I die. Very, very simply. Think about it this way. I paid $6,000 a year. Or my, actually, my dad did $6,000 a year for four years. That's $24,000. The base salary back then was maybe about $25,000 to $30,000. But it still equaled what I paid for my entire education. Right. You're not coming out. Making two hundred forty thousand dollars, which no. four years at sixty grand a year is going to no. cost you. It's crazy. And then no. you look at the house. Bought my house for one sixty four. My house goes now for close to six hundred thousand. Easy. And I, I don't even know how people do it. So this whole idea <laughs> of don't. Easy, dude. So the whole idea of like don't spend more than you make is almost out the window. You, you can't, I, especially if you live in New Jersey. What do you say? Like marry right, marry correctly, so the two of you can make two hundred grand a year minus taxes comes down to like a hundred grand. And even then, you're making it. Yeah, you're not as comfortable as you. I remember when I was a kid, early '90s. If you were making a hundred k, holy shit! Right. I, I remember hearing people be like, "Be like, oh my god, of course, of course, they have this house. He makes six figures. Mm-hmm. She makes six figures." Now I'm like, "You, you better be making six figures to survive." No doubt. It's tough. To even come close to living the way you think you should live with $200,000 coming in. It's know. brutal, man. It is. It's, it's, it's tough out there right now. Absolutely. And I remember 
when my sister, I mean, she's doing much better now because she's got more seniority, but when mm -hmm. she first, you know, had her own apartment and, you know, she was still newer at transit. I think she had just less than five years. Right. So, you know, and, you know, contracts and everything have changed. She was making good money. Right. All right. You know, just shy of six figures, maybe. But when you add her car payment, her insurance, the gas, the rent, it's like, oh, you are tight. Yeah, you really are. And you're not broke. It's not like you're, you know, working a minimum wage job. You're working a legitimate job and you are tight. Yeah. Just to live. I was thinking about this the other day. I go to the supermarket. I get maybe a week's worth of groceries. It was $150. Yep. I go out to lunch. It was $50. Lunch used to be a fucking hot dog and fries for like eight or $9. Hot dog and fries is now 20 bucks now. Now it's easy 20 bucks now. Yep. So let's say you're a single person spending a hundred bucks a week on groceries. Mm -hmm. That's 400 a month. Yep. We've done this math before. I know. Yeah. And I don't want to sound redundant, but, but it's just, you, it's the facts. I remember having this conversation. I think we, we said this story. Some guy was like, ah, these, when I was 18, I had my own house. I was like, yeah, your house cost you $50,000. That's what I just said. That's what I just said. Yeah. Um, it's fucking nuts. I think we got to give these young, and here's the honest thing. We've created this system where it's, you've got to go to college. You've got to go to do that. Go do this. The people that benefit from that now, it's a money machine. Yeah, it is. The banks are benefiting. You know, the the alumnus, uh, the boards are benefiting. It, it's all a scam. Go to trade schools. Without a doubt, college is just not worth it unless yeah. you want to play the corporate role. Unless there's something specifically learn a trade, that you want. Yep. Learn a trade, learn, you know, and work hard at it. I can't tell you how many people I've seen go to college, graduate and say, yeah, I hate this. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a plumber. Right. I've always wanted, but parents give a lot of input and say, well, you're not going to make it with that. The you're parents are still operating off of the rules from 2020, you not, know, 30 years not ago. Not the case anymore. I agree. You've got to adjust. 100%. And unfortunately, the reality is your 17-year-old probably is more in tune with what's happening in the real mm -hmm. world right now than you are. Yeah. Exactly. Sit back. Yeah. Let them take the wheel. And here's the other thing. If your child is 18 years old and wants to pursue a certain road, right. let them. Let them. You know, be there to support them, be there to catch them. And then if they fail, you know, they still have time to recover. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas if you force them to do something they don't want and then they try to readjust their life. You rejigger the whole thing. Now if it doesn't work out. They have to readjust in their 30s mm. and they resent you yep. because they wanted to do it when they were younger. Mm -hmm. but you, your job as a parent is not to make the path for your child. It's your job to clear the path and make it easier for them. Right. They have to decide where they want to go. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. You know, like I, even with my kids, I see it, you know, does that mean things can't change? Maybe they can change. You know, Benny could become a star defensive tackle. I don't fucking know. But right now, it looks like he's interested in other things. Right. My job is not to be upset that he doesn't want to be a jiu-jitsu world champion. My job is to be like, okay, what do you want to be? I'm going to help you be a world champion in that. Mm -hmm. Let's figure it out. Right. He he brought a piece of abstract art home. Okay. I sent it to one of my friends who like actually knows art. I was like, am I crazy or is this good? <laughs> Could this go for a few bucks? He's like, who did that? I was like, Benny. He's like, that's really good. He's like, the way he used lines and colors, he's like, that's beautiful. did he really do that? I'm like, yeah. He goes, wow. He's like, you could probably sell that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to hold on to this for a little bit. 
<laughs> Could be worth but seven. But you never know. You know, it's that's that's a but that's also another life lesson, right? It is. It is, and and I just. So when I was writing, my point was that when I was writing these things, I'm like, this is for shit. Don't spend more than you make. Don't watch where you spend your money. This is for shit because... It doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't apply anymore. So the only advice I can give at this point is to just embrace whatever it is that you're choosing to do as a career, yeah. getting back to the whole career thing, and just kick the shit out of it. And be ready to struggle. Yeah, because yep. the way it used to be is you'd work at a company... You'd learn your craft, that kind of thing. And then you go off and start your own business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which used to be, I mean, it's still about a 20% success rate. Well, like when I started my business, they were saying, oh, you, you got about a 15% chance of success. It, it's hard, man. So I don't know. You know, when you say that, it's very, like, it's very, it just, it's very jarring for me. Yeah. Just because it's like, holy shit. Yeah. You came close, brother. Yeah. We're still here through I a pandemic. Know. I know. So out of the schools that you know, or out of anybody that would open something like this, in other words, a physical activity going to consumers, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what the success rate is, but it can't be that high. It's not that high. Yeah. The problem is you would never know about the schools that don't make it. Oh, yeah. Because you don't hear about them anymore. Right. You know, the schools that make it, you keep, you keep hearing about it. You're like, oh, everybody's succeeding. Right. No, they're not. You just keep seeing the same names over and over again. Right, but the right, reality right. is, you know, we had a young lady come in here tonight. She was looking for different schools, new okay. schools. Uh, and I was like, where do you train? She told me the name of her school. I was like, listen, I don't even know that school, but I can tell you based on their name, they probably suck. Okay. And she laughed. <laughs> I was like, the reality is any school. So you're saying that the life lesson is choose a good name for your school. Well, here's the thing. If the school's name is like, you know, Kimura Killers BJJ right, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know Head Stompers Fight Academy right the school probably sucks yeah if you need a sexy name that means the product is shit yeah 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 I gotcha the schools that I know that are very successful you know they're named after the instructor right or they're named after the town or the county yeah because the uh, the instructor is proud of the whole thing and yeah uh, and, and they don't have to make it sexy they don't have to make it crazy they can just give it a regular name yeah. and they trust the product. That's what it is. And they're proud of the fact that it's their name on the door, that kind of thing. Yeah. There, as a matter of fact, there was a couple of guys that came in that I was talking with uh, that came from other schools. We were talking about it. Yeah. And I said, uh, I think you're going to find a real good home here. All, all BS aside, I'm not trying to sell you on the place. I, th I said, you're going to find a real good home here. Uh, listen, we have a very special thing here. You know, um, uh, I think people that come here from other schools realize the difference very quickly. Yeah. And it's not me. It's not what I'm doing. It's the environment that we've all created here. Yeah. And there's, there's not a schmuck among us. Yeah. People realize it very quickly. Like, Oh, this is different. Right. But it's also look who I've learned from, you know, like I, I've learned from Tom de Blas, yeah. you know, who has an affiliation with like 50 something schools tonight. He's teaching a seminar at the NYPD BJJ team. Right. Who's also like, they're officially a Tom de Blas affiliate. You know, he came up under Ricardo Almeida, who Ricardo was one of the first schools to say, hey, we're going to do things different. We're going to have right. a warm up. We're going to have a structure. None more of the no more of this. Here's two techniques. Let's roll live. That shit doesn't work right. anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, guys quit. They're like, oh, I'm not signing up for that. I'll just go to a Taekwondo school. Yeah, it's, like, it's not the way it works. We, right. You got to make adjustments. And, you know, that's why also the schools that I see that succeed under the same umbrella. Right. It's like there's a there's a there is a structure to succeed. 
Uh, well, one, so one of the things that I was writing down with regards to success, this is the last uh, sort of life lesson thing. I said, uh, you don't lose until you stop trying. Bingo. Which is very, very much a BJJ oriented uh, mentality. I can't believe you said that. Yeah. My grandpa. I'm, I can, you know be, my grandpa used I can to say? be smart every now and then. My grandpa, when we would drive around, he said, you're not lost until you stop and ask for directions. <laughs> I like he says, that. until you do that, I you're like just that. taking the long way. <laughs> So when you said that, I'm like, holy what a shit. great line. I'm like, that's life. It's like, it's not over until you're like, I'm done. Otherwise, yeah. you're just, you're figuring it out. Yeah. Some people, it takes forever. Well, the other thing that, that, that came to me is, is a line from a, uh, from a show. It comes out of a poet, uh, a poem, but the line is, uh, of all the lines of tongue and pen, none are worse than what might have been. And great deep line but it it really struck me as far as like starting a business and trying to succeed in life taking that risk taking the risk that was always my biggest fear yeah i didn't want to be on my deathbed and be like fuck like i should why didn't i try it that's it what might i always wanted might have been i always want to be a jockey like i'm just like just do it (laughs) yeah i'll tell you right now if i if i never would have opened up a school yeah it would have haunted me to the day i died Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You know, I would have been able to say things like, you know, I had a family. Or you, I took or you the just rationalize shit. We had a great life. You know, I, I, listen, could you imagine with the pandemic? Oh, my God, it would have been terrible. We probably would have. Yeah. But it's like deep down, I would have been like, but what if it wasn't? Yeah, exactly. And look at everything that's come since. Oh, Jesus Christ. The, that's That goes back to the whole true confidence. You went through the hard times. You got to the good times and you made it. That's so that's awesome. Uh, before we get into this, I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying how, you know, uh, we were talking about like, you know, uh, I let the guys pick the music for the Bluetooth. And I was saying how, you know, one time we put on one song and Manny was like, you know, yeah, we're all our yeah. shirt. Yeah. All have our shirts off, <laughs> right, underwear, right. still yeah. training. <laughs> and, you know, I remember like this one particular night and like we're all still rolling around. And it was one of those nights where I forget how old I am. And I forget that I'm the black belt and I forget that this is my school because that's how that's everyone's journey. Right. We were all, at least in my case, we were, we were that 21 year old kid Mm. trying to make a life with this, maybe become a world champ, maybe become a competitor. You don't know. All you knew was I got to train. I got to show up. And I remember this one particular night, you know, I realized I'm not the 21 year old. Right, right. And I was looking at Max and Manny. And they are. And I think like Matt (laughs) Serrano was still here and Evan. And I'm like, they don't realize the point of jujitsu that they're in right now. Right, right, right. Is the best fucking phase. Yeah, it can be. It's the the grind phase. It's the figuring it out phase. It's the you're my brother phase. Right. We're in a struggle together phase. We're in this together kind of thing. Yeah. I'm in the phase where I'm like, you know, it paid off. Yeah. It's paying off. I just have to keep showing up and keep working. But they're at the phase where it's like, this still, you're still fighting for something. Yeah. And I'm like, it was just cool to see. But seeing that still keeps me grounded. And it just it's awesome. It reminds I always say the I same thing. This. It's just like, I'm just so grateful. Not happy. Not, you know, whatever the word is. But I'm grateful that guys these age kind of take me in a little bit. And oh, they love you. They, they just allow me to gonna be goofy or whatever well, my favorite part about tonight is i'm uh, i'm hanging out on the side talking uh-huh. to uh, max and i hear you say 
I love this backside 50-50. Yeah, I do. I got to figure, and I'm hearing this, and I'm like, this is a 59-year-old man. I know. <laughs> talking about backside 50-50. It's so But good. it's like, even though you're 59, so that statement is so youthful yeah. and so young. Yeah. And it's, you're now on the same plane as those 22-year-olds who are what, also trying to figure it out. That's so spot on. That's exactly what it is. I feel like I'm in their sort of milieu. Yeah. That. And and they they can talk that language. You're like, oh, come here, do this. And like now you're not 59 year old Jewish guy. You're not brown belt Roy. You're Roy, right. my teammate. Right. And we're talking the same language right now. And they get we turned are, off by the fact that I use the word milieu. Probably. <laughs> like, knows? what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. But it was just, I don't know. Like when I was hanging out watching that, I was just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, it was great. I was like, that's what I wanted. I really really enjoy it that way. Yeah. All right, you ready for a quiz? Let's go. This is 2000s movies. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you the name of the character and you tell me who played that character. Oh, I think I'm going to do poorly. I think you're going to do well. I think I'm going to do shitty. I'm bad with names. This is 2000s movies. 2000s. And I'm going to give you the name of the character. You tell me who played them. Bridget Jones. Uh, Renee Zellweger. Bingo. Shrek. (laughs) Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Dewey Finn. Dewey Finn was uh, Arquette, David Arquette. No. Rock of, Age, uh, Rock of Ages. And then Rock of Ages was uh, School of Rock. Oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking Deputy Dewey from fucking Street. <laughs> no, uh, this is Jack Black. Dewey Finn was Jack Black. Damn. Go. See, I got the names mixed up. All right. Who played the Grinch? Uh, Jim Carrey. Right. James Carrey. All right. Here it gets a little bit tougher. Andy Stitzer. From 40-Year-Old Virgin. Oh, Andy is uh, the guy from The Office. Yeah. Uh, Steve Carell. There you go, man. Who played Ray Charles? <laughs> that was uh, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Who is, this might be a little tough. Who is Del Spooner? Del Spooner. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> What's the movie? iRobot. Never seen it. Oh, it's a good movie. All Will Smith movies are good four-fifths of the way through, and then it just sucks at the very end. I can't get into Will Smith movies. Yeah, well. Who is Izzy Cole? Izzy Cole, I know that one. That is Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> From Rockstar. A great movie. Who is Mason? Based on Judas Priest, by the way. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, who is Mason Dixon? Mason the Line There you go. Dixon. Uh, that is a football movie. Uh-uh. No, Mason. That's a boxing movie. Yep. That was Antonio Carver. Really good, man. <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Antonio, is it Carver or Tarver? Tarver. Tarver. T. You might not get this. Uh, Miranda Priestley. Stephanie might know this. Miranda Priestley. Yeah. Devil Wears Prada. That's not a, what's her name? The brunette. I can't stand her. She bugs me. <laughs> Give me a hint. This uh, actress is from New Jersey. Anne Hathaway? No, close. Meryl Streep. Oh, God damn it. Who is Penny? I love that movie, too. Uh, it's a good movie. Who is Penny Lane? Penny Lane was, um, what's her name? Not, is it Russell Goldie Hawn's daughter? That's exactly what it is. Holy shit, you what's got this name? one. <laughs> What's her name? 
Uh, the movie is Almost Famous. I know the movie, Almost Famous. Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. That's who it is. <laughs> Kate Hudson. How are you knowing these things? It's a great movie. I'm writing them down. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Uh, who is White Goodman? Oh, White Goodman is Ben Affleck. Well, Not Ben uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of the greatest movies. Fucking Dodgeball. Dodgeball. <laughs> Just missed it. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> I love that Blade. Movie. Laser. Blazer. Michelle. <laughs> Who is Brian Fantana? Brian Fantana is, uh, that's Anchorman. <laughs> yep. Brian Fantana is, God, 8% of the time it works all the time. Right. <laughs> exactly. Paul Rudd. 80, 80% of the time it works all the time. It's Pantopis. <laughs> Love that line. 80% of the time it works all the time. In a weird way, <laughs> that makes sense. In jujitsu, that of, makes yeah, sense. Exactly. It's like, listen, eighty percent of the time, this choke always works. Always works. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great. All right. What about the other twenty percent? That doesn't work doesn't at work all. all. <laughs> uh, who is Dale Doback? Oh, I know this one. One of the funniest movies ever. Dale Doback. Uh, is that Talladega Nights? Close. <sighs> the other one they were in. Oh, Step Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to roundhouse your ass. It's not Will Ferrell's character. No, no, it's uh, John C. Riley. John C. Riley, yep. Holy shit, was that a funny movie? Great movie. I heard they were going to do a sequel and then decided last minute not to, and I'm like, it's good. Just, this don't. is just too good, man. But he hit on two movies in a row Talladega and, uh, and Step Brothers. Incredibly funny. And he had Anchorman. Oh right, an Anchorman. I don't, but I don't find it that funny. Anchorman. Anchorman. Oh it's my god. Funny, but not like the other two. An- my favorite character in Anchorman is Steve Carell's character. <laughs> Where like they finally bring a woman in, right. like she's gonna tear things up. She's gonna make it all woman in here. He goes, and I hear their periods attract bears. <laughs> That's my favorite line. <laughs> when the guy's like. Ugh, I got so drunk last night, I shit a squirrel. <laughs> Literally shit a squirrel. It's in my desk. He's like, I think I ate your chocolate-covered squirrel. <laughs> Steve Carell's character is amazing in that movie. I killed the man. Yes, you did. You did kill That's one man. of the reasons why I like The Office so much. Like, he'll say an absolutely ridiculous line and then look off into space like, should I not have said that? And then come back to the game. I love The Office. It's an amazing, show. I love The Office. Show. And working in like a little cubicle area, I'm yeah, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of that dumb shit. Oh, man. I used to have a boss. He had the perfect name. His name was Ray Dingle. I mean, like, we used to goof on that name behind his back. Oh, How could you not? His and that's the whole Dingle. point. Like Dingleberries is like, just change your for you. fucking name, man. How did you fantastic. even get through grade school and high school? That's fantastic. He didn't. That's the problem. And <laughs> he was such a douche. He hated me though. Anyway, uh, who played Billy Bean? Billy Bean was played by Brad Pitt. There you go. Moneyball. Absolutely. Great movie. Who is Jables? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Jables is uh, Jack Black. That's right. Tenacious. All right. Who is Ricky? Great. Have you seen Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny yet? I've not. But your other one that I saw was the one with uh, Steve. What was his name? Um, the Bill Murray movie. 
where what well, the aquatic life of Steve? Uh, oh, I love that. Movie. I know you told me to see that. The I life saw that aquatic one. Aquatic of Steve Zissou. Gave it a B, B minus. It's slow, but bro. there is a great scene where this girl is just operating on her her laptop and she's topless, and is, and guys are walking by like, that's the greatest thing in the world. Get <laughs> a topless girl like that. I, I love those slow movies. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember though when I used to watch those movies, I uh-huh. always like take a Percocet. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> the trick. <laughs> It's like zone out, like whoa. <laughs> Those movies are triggers. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, who is Ricky Bobby? Come on. All right, it's Will Ferrell. Who is Les Grossman? Les Grossman yeah. is Tom Cruise. Right from Tropic Thunder. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Who is Napoleon Dynamite? John Heater. Very good. I didn't think he'd get that one. That was awesome. Another great movie. Napoleon. Oh, I love that movie. I like it as I get older. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like, this movie sucks. <laughs> no, man. That's you know why I didn't movie. like that movie? Because I didn't feel like I was laughing with them. I felt like I was laughing at him. Oh, that was a bit And of I it. didn't like the fact that I was making fun of like- Come on, Napoleon. Kid, like, give me one of your tots. No. Because I didn't like them. Like, they were just like simpletons from the Midwest. And I was like, I don't want to make fun <laughs> of these people. I was so good. I don't know. For me, it was rough. Now, Uncle Rico. Oh, totally worked. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Out of, out of one state. I'd gone pro. Yeah, but then every time he... This this is one thing that bugs me. Whenever I watch like uh, Hollywood do some kind of athletic thing and the actor really is sucks. Like in the movie Teen Wolf, none of oh, those yeah. guys played basketball no. and you could just tell they sucked. No. Whenever Uncle Rico would throw a football, I'm like, I would cringe watching that it. That was the point. I he know. Sucked. <laughs> he I mean, but still, it's like just he like, was so bad. Throw football correctly. I mean, he didn't throw it that much different than Philip Rivers. <laughs> that's true. Pretty similar. He pushes the ball out. But I can throw it over the mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh, you know, a movie I really did enjoy. With <laughs> I the, love when he threw it the uh, the football <laughs> and slammed Napoleon right in the face while he was. It wasn't running. even football. I threw a piece of steak. Oh, that's what it was. The steak. <laughs> Napoleon. Just fucking threw it Eat right at him. Eat the food. Eat the food. <laughs> so I guess you can say it's getting pretty serious. Right. <laughs> Such a good movie. Oh, baby. <laughs> Such a good movie. Every one of these fucking movies. I like it as I get Everyone older. has to see. These are just great comedy movies. I love uh, these. Um, who is Frank Lucas? You get this one, I'll be surprised. Denzel Washington. Fucking A. How did you know that? American Gangster. There baby. you go, brother. All right, last question. What was the highest grossing movie in the 2000s? Hmm. I really want to say Spider-Man or one of the Spider-Man movies. No. no. Avatar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great movies. In the, the aughts. Weren't they great? That was a great time to... Uh... Avatar was good. You want to know what's funny? I'm not talking I... about the movie. I'm just talking about the times. They were great times. Well, I think the 2000s, that was it. Yeah. I feel like the 90s, I think uh, Vanilla Ice, Rob Van Winkle said it best. You tell me, yeah. Less the... the 90s was the end of pop culture. Kind of, yeah. But I think as far as like film and movies, I say it the all the time. Over. I say it all the time. The movies of the 2000s are better than the movies of my times. But the music of my times is much better than, much the, better. than the music now. But, but they're both better than what's going on right now. <laughs> Without a doubt. And now it's, it's shitful like, on all sides. You, know, you talk about a movie from like 2008. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that wasn't that long ago. 2008 was 15 years ago. Exactly. So it's like, oh, shit. That's like when I was, you know, a kid in fifth grade watching a movie from 1980. Yeah. Might as well have been 200 years ago. 
like I think of it in terms of like presidents, like 2000, 2008 was George W. And then Obama was 28 to 216. Then uh, uh, Trump. Greatest president ever. Exactly. And then the bozo we got now. Uh, so real quick, I, yeah. I, cause we were talking about this time stuff. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and every now and then, you know, ESPN Classic would play an old football game. Right, yeah. And I'd watch a football game from like 1984. <laughs> and it was like 1997 or, you know, 1995. And they'd Joe play Montana and the yeah. San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. They'd play a game from like 1975. Right, right. And it's like Terry Bradshaw <laughs> and the Steel Curtain. This is Helmut Cosell coming to you live and, from and Metropolitan Stadium. Yeah, and I'd be like, wow, look at these old bastards. Look yeah. at this old game from 20 years ago. Whoa. I'm at home the other day, and this game pops up. I'm like, oh, shit. Look at this. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like the Steelers, Steelers-Patriots AFC Championship what game. What year was this? 2004. Okay, all right. And I'm like, I remember watching this game, and I'm watching it, and it ago. hit me. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. This was 20 years ago. <laughs> and I just remember, like, the young Miguel watching, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers of 1975 and being like, oh, God, this is so old. And I'm like, yeah. I watched this game. I watched this game. <laughs> See, I watch those things, and I say, all right, I look at a game in the 60s, and I look at a game in the 70s, and the shoulder pads were really small back then, mm-hmm. okay? The helmets had the one bar, or the helmets only had two bars, or something like that. You get to the 80s, and the shoulder pads got huge. Everything got big. Got very, very large. The helmets And got I remember big. having those pads on and really having a hard time cocking my arm to throw Yeah, up. they sucked. They really, really sucked. You'd almost have to hit your arm first and then throw. And now but everything's coming back. Now so. it's coming back down again, which is really, really interesting yeah. to me. More padding less material that's exactly what it is and technology it, yeah and the same thing with the, i hated the helmets back then because they would always rattle around in my head not anymore yeah now they don't they're fitted beautifully now i would love to play a football game today just to wear the new shit yeah i was thinking the I'd same be, I'd thing like, i'd love to feel what would it feel like to hit someone with that helmet where the front you know pushes in mm-hmm. it's like you know in my day it was, it was a shell yeah that's you know, it so when you hit it, it was very like that, plastic on plastic bong. yeah like you would feel the vibrations. Yeah. Now it's got like that shock on it. That's exactly where when you it. hit, it literally absorbs the mm-hmm. blow. That's exactly it. And they're shaped differently now too. Like yeah, they almost multiple different shapes. Yeah, it's really really strange. So I was I, that's the way I always look at '80s football. Like mm-hmm. that was the because t- I always have this thing in my head of. Uh, What's his name? Bo Jackson, like going to the outside and Bosworth oh, yeah. tra- uh, chasing him, but they're wearing the big fucking pads. Huge. And it was really interesting to watch. I would like to see the neck roll come back. Oh, that's the best look in the world. Are you kidding me? Even even that, that's a new thing. I don't know if you saw that last year, all the guys wearing that thing on the back of their neck. No, the only thing I noticed was the stupid, uh, you know, like all lives matter shit or whatever they had on the back of their helmet. No, no, this was, <laughs> this was, was a, like, shut uh, the fuck up. It's that. like a little piece of plastic. It almost looks like a necklace on the back of their neck. And basically, I know, I know I've seen it, but I I just, so I researched what it was and what it is, is it applies just enough pressure on your neck to force the blood to kind of build up. Really? Kind of like if you wrap like, you know, something around your, your finger and like the tip of your finger gets all the blood, it does just enough so that the blood just kind of pushes a little bit more up. You don't really feel it, but it causes just a, just a little bit slower of a flow where the blood protects your brain a little bit better. Seriously? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I was like, well, that's fucking science. 
<laughs> I'm a lot smarter now that I know that. It's like we're going to create a natural absorption by just having the blood protect your skull. All right, I got a question. Fun yes. fact. Give me the five highest GDPs in the world. GDPs? Yeah. What countries have the five, like one through five, what are they? Oh, God. I think no. you'd be surprised by this. Number I'll give you a hint. U.S. is number one. Hmm. Number two, I'm going to go China. Uh-uh, baby. Close. Go across the ocean. Across the way. U.K.? Japan. Oh. Number two in the world. Really? The United States is 60% of the world's GDP. Japan is 6% of the world's GDP. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. We're way ahead. Believe me. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize that. India. Nope. Damn. Great Britain, number three. Damn. I said At 4%. Now I'm going to go with India. No, you go with China at 4% after that. And then India. Nope. <laughs> then Canada. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> There's your top five. U.S. at 60%, Japan at 6%, U.K. 4%, China 4%, Canada 3%. That's wild the U.S. is that far ahead. By far. I don't know if you know, like 85% of all healthcare patents in the world, 85% occur in the United States. That doesn't shock me. There's a lot <laughs> of money in pharmaceuticals oh, yeah. and medicine here. Uh, so if Apple was mm -hmm. a country, where would they rank in the uh, top five? If Apple was a country? Yeah. Top five what? Just the company. GDP? Yeah. I'm not going to say they're number one. No. They're number three. I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to say like five. They're a two, uh, close to a, I think they're a $2.7 trillion company. I was going to say number one is like Amazon. <laughs> no, no, no. Apple, Apple puts every company in their hip pocket. It's, it's huge. They, it's, they're massive. Really? $2.7 trillion company, that, which was worth more than uh, all of uh, the other countries, China and Canada. And, and all their uh, companies. Well, you know what? That makes sense because they're much more global. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Here's the uh, question, man. What are the one or two? I didn't want to go three because it's a lot of thinking. What are the one or two lines from a movie or a song that really, really was a life lesson for you? An impactful line. Number one, Ferris Bueller. Okay. What was the line? Life happens fast. Oh, I if love that line. If you don't slow down, yeah, yeah, yeah. you might miss it. Okay. Great line. Love that line. Yep. Uh, number two is from Vanilla Sky. Every passing moment is another opportunity to turn it all around. Wow, I never saw that movie. I gotta mm -hmm. see that. That's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, Penelope Cruz says that line. Okay. And number three. I'm gonna go with the third one. And you said it could be. Uh, could be music. Could be a. Like one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in a song was "Sex is a science, but love is an art," and mm -hmm. I love that line. Let me see. I'm trying to think of a line. Give me a second. Take your time. There's just so many. I like a lot of verses. I don't know if I've ever heard a line where I'm like, fuck, but I've heard like yeah. a verse. Right. Like a whole like, you know, like, you know, four bars and I'm like, uh -huh. whoa. <laughs> um, I'll tell you the one off the air. Okay. <laughs> My favorite one. Okay. So I'll save it. I have number three, but I'm going to share it off. Okay, air. cool. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of them. I mean, those two always. always but is there come anything where you're just saying, "God, that really resonates with me"? 
Yeah, that first one. Oh, life comes at you fast. If you don't slow down, you might miss it. That's a beaut. I like that a lot. And then, you know, like those are two things I really try to live by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's always, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street. I've been poor and I've been rich. And I pick rich every fucking time. <laughs> every fucking time. <laughs> Who's that? Michael Caine, I think, says that or something like that. No, I think, I think even that, like, I, I think that's Leo. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. It was a, uh, a lady that said, uh, I've been poor and I've been rich. I'd rather be rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a perfect line. It's fantastic. All right, my man. Welcome Bye, back from uh, Denver. Glad to be back. Absolutely. Glad to be back. Brother, we got brother, two brother, episodes brother. ready to go. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.